you know a cockroach can live for a week without its head? Big deal. I went through eight years of marriage without any head. It's about noon on November 20th, weekend before Thanksgiving weekend. It's Jesus Christ. It's almost it's almost fucking December, which means it's almost gift buying time, which means if you haven't been saving your money like me, you're kind of fucked. I should say <laughs> if you haven't been saving your money like I haven't. We're all fucked. We're all fucked. Um, if I sound hungover, I'm not. But I stayed up late again playing Crisis. And it does Warhead. Crisis Warhead specifically, yes. yes. I, I am late watching um, Walking Dead episodes. Ooh, that sounds delicious. I need to start watching that show. This is show the TryGames.net podcast where we talk about zombies and Vietnam vets and, and plants and plants and paddles that and, and balls and not in that sense if you're nasty like that. Um, although if you did send in a reader question about that, we actually know we wouldn't. No, because that's gross. No, 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 no. I'm your host, Austin. That other dude who's speaking with the luxurious bass in his voice is none other than the Al. The Al. Not just Al, but the Al. It's kind of like when, when Michigan people get all mad at Ohio State people when they say, I went to college at the What? They do that, apparently. No, wait. I, I didn't understand it. Oh, well, what, okay. So, so it's... Michigan uh, colleges from Michigan and, and people can verify me can verify this if I'm wrong. But one of my coworkers, he he is from Michigan, went to college there, and they have this intense rivalry with Ohio State University and college sports. They hate they hate each other. It's like North Carolina Duke, except mm-hmm. in the West where they say cars. Um, <laughs> and one of the things that they decide to hate about them, well, not decide to, but you know, it, it does sound kind of obnoxious is. Ohio State University people, like when they talk about where they go to school, they and, and they're really, really obnoxious about it. They'll go, "Oh, I went to the Ohio State." Oh, uh, you know, they'll say "the" in that kind of regal tone, like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like I'm trying to think, of, like, like, oh, like, I, oh, I'm I an alumni of Harvard. Yeah, I went to Harvard instead of like, I, I work for the Activisions. Like, what? Fuck you. You know, is that is that type no of, like, other Activisions? <laughs> Um, so you are the Al. Yeah, I'm right. I am the Al. The anti The Al. Red Mage. The Red Mage. This is the Trikins on their podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and just a quick tangent there. That's why I started calling Gideon. Gideon Bryant is. Because <laughs> Uh, for those who don't know and those who don't care, too bad you're gonna have to listen to this. Uh, I have this e- uh, the email thread that I started. Well, not that one of our other friends, Ron, who was a guest on the podcast, started with with like about 15 of our friends. The ones that the one email thread that resulted in me being labeled as a spammer on Gmail uh, because we send all these emails back and forth to 15 different people about basketball. You know, we have this big discussion thread. Why did you use a forum post? Because it's because it started in Gmail and it's hard to now migrate and get people to migrate. Whatever, uh, people are lazy. I'm lazy. <clears throat> And so, you know, Gideon, or one of our friends, Gideon, his last name is Bryant. And obviously, whenever Kobe comes up, he's like, well, Kobe's family. So obviously, I'm the best basketball player in the world who doesn't mm-hmm. play in the NBA. And so he, you know, he jokes around like that. He's, obviously, he's not Kobe's cousin. Uh, so. Or is he? Or is it maybe? So, uh, you know, for, 
I, I think like a week ago or so, you know, he, he, there was some crack about like, well, who's the, you know, some debate about who's the second best pl- basketball player in the league or best, ba- best, basketball, best basketball player in the world. And, you know, he chimes with, obviously I am, you know, right. Like, right. So, so I was like, yeah. So the, the, the next time uh, we started having a, a similar question and I was like, well, obviously Gideon Bryant is the best X, Y, Z. I can't remember what the discussion was. So from then on, I started calling him Gideon Bryant is Gideon Bryant is. So, every, so I'd say stupid shit like I think somebody made a Killer Instinct reference in the basketball thread, and I just said, I, I said, you gave Gideon Bryant is a boner with that Killer Instinct because <laughs> Gideon, Gideon loves to play his Riptor. Uh, in high school, his three R's were reading, writing, and Riptor. Not nice. So, Gideon Bryant is loves Riptor. Anyway, that was a stupid tangent for all the for all those of you who don't care. But if you sat through that, then you win a prize. That's the rest of this podcast. Anyway, uh, I, 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 oh, wow, that got me out of my crisis hangover. That's great. Um, and I didn't drink at all yesterday, which is, you know, the crisis could do that to a motherfucker. If you stay up till four o'clock and play it. Anyway, we have a bunch of shit to talk about, mostly because people actually manned up, lifted up the skirt, grabbed their balls, and wrote questions in. Wow. We got three questions from doctors on Twitter and then one email question. That's amazing. <laughs> doctors. Although although two of the questions were asked by the same doctor, but Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Is is the other doctor also a doctor or is he just a doc? Um the other doctor, Doc Brown from GameTheMedia.com, shout out, is a PhD, I believe, if I remember. Oh shit. So he is a doctor. He's an actual doctor. Yeah, yes. Official so doctors. Doctor Ritters. Not not from not the racist doctor from Back to the Future. Marty. Even He's though, not yeah. There was that was just a family family guy joke, but uh, <laughs> Marty. Um, so yes, we usually start off with what we've been playing, and because I'm very tired and need a chance to put my head down, I'll make Al go first. Yeah, Al. Al. Alfred Gatling is. What have you playing been playing? Nights in the Nightmare for PSP, along with Persona for PSP. And a little bit of Crisis. Persona three or the or the remake of the first Persona. The remake of the first one. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, that is all I have actually had the time to play this week. Um, and I'll touch on some other things, but the actual like stuff that I've been playing was Nights and Nightmare and Persona and Crisis. Um, and I'll just like I said, touch on the other stuff. I'll start with the quickest thing, Crisis. Christ is good stuff. Um, I had just passed the uh, level where you, uh, since you brought it up last week, super spoiler alert, you meet the uh, nanosuit enemies for the first time. And uh, that's like almost four hours in according to my game time. So uh, I guess I'm close to halfway through the game, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it's, like just just about half, so that's good. That means I'll be able to maybe finish the game if I ever have time. Yeah, it's between like eight and eight, eight and a half hours or so, mm-hmm. depending on depending on how you obviously depending on how you decide to play. Yeah. Uh, one and real quick anecdote. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, real really quickly. What I was yeah. talking about last week, apparently I forgot because you were telling me about the scenario in which you meet those nanosuit soldiers. And it didn't sound familiar, so I think I forgot about that encounter entirely and was talking about something else. So when I said, oh, oh my god, I can't believe I encountered these guys yesterday, I clearly forgot that I had encountered them. (laughs) Much earlier in the game. Yes, well, I I don't know if it was much earlier. 
Oh. I just it, but remember, it's been a long time since I played Crisis before I picked it up again last week. So, okay. Anyway, continue. I'm being stupid. Um. Yeah, I was talking about the way I play. Um. Uh, I a lot of times I just do the slow and steady. Um. Sneak behind, you know, sneak around with stealth and take cover when stealth runs out, and then peek out and shoot people and stuff, or pop people in the back of the head, send a tranquilizer on somebody who's behind somebody else, and then shoot that other person, and then go back and shoot the person who I tranquilized. Um, now I'm starting to kind of play like laissez faire. Um, if I don't have to kill a group of people, I won't. Oh. If I see a group of people and I want to fuck with them, I'll shoot one and kill one or shoot two and then run away <laughs> and have them like look for me where the shot came from. I find myself doing that a lot because um, I, I don't save as often as I should. And uh, one time I died and I had to go back quite a bit because I was just fucking with people. And I'm like, fuck, wasted time. Um, but I see myself like, doing things in kind of like a almost like a gorilla type of way where I'll rush up on people and like shoot them to get the attention of others and then distract them, run around to some other place and just make pot shots and like pat, pat, and then hide and just basically run circles around people around cover. Um I uh also have taken into um account like all the vehicles in the area now and now I'm just starting to like say fuck it if I need to get somewhere I'm gonna hop in the vehicle and just shoot everybody who comes along and if I happen to miss somebody I'll just keep driving and if they shoot at the truck they shoot at the truck I mean that's what you do in real life so why not do the video game <laughs> so um, I've been trying to do that and it's been working it's it's I think I'm progressing through the game a lot faster than I did before because playing before it was like it was a snail's pace. I would be going from one point to another to another point, and all the destinations seem to seem they, they seem to be so far away. So now I think um, I'm I might be able to you know finish the game provided that I put some good time into it. Um, there's that, and there's also the fact that like either you don't want to lose health and and get caught in a firefight. Or you don't want to waste ammo, and so like you're consistently like hiding and popping up and shooting people in the face, and then cloaking. And this is me I'm talking about, of course. And, and then hiding again, and then you're like, "Shit, I'm running out of ammo because I'm trying to kill everybody." Mm -hmm. um, and the thing with Crisis is that because you can pick up anybody's gun, you never run out of ammo. Yeah, and, and you're more powerful than you give yourself credit for. So when you finally start playing, like you know what, I don't have to sneak around. It's fun too, but if I'm if it's taking a long time, I really don't have to. If I know how to play video games, you you, you literally don't you can play, like some people are like, oh, you know, they, they say you could play however you want. But like, it's it's really hard. To, it's not like if you just like I thought it was that way. But when I finally started bucking up, be like, you know what? Let me just let me start a firefight. Uh, you still have to be careful. You can't just go guns blazing, but you don't have yeah. to like cloak and sneak and hide everywhere. You can you know, you can. Take cover, recharge, go around, the, flank them by, flank them by yourself. I don't know how it's possible, but you know, go go around the cover and, without them seeing you. Pop them in the head. You know, you, oh yeah. So yeah, I, I think you should have a pretty decent time from here on out. I mean, there's certain areas where you will have to hunker down, but it's not like you're gonna have to like almost snipe this dude from 500 feet away, and then hmm. I'm gonna inch in about five feet and then snipe another dude because I have to be careful. Yeah. I have to be careful. 
for real. Uh, so that's enough about crisis for me. Oh. Uh, because I have much more complex things to talk about. Uh, namely, Yay. Persona and Nights and Nightmare, which are both games uh, published by Atlas. One is a Sting game, and the other is... Uh, I think it's an Atlas game. I think Atlas actually makes... I think Persona is pretty much an Atlas series. You yeah. talk about it, I'll find out. Mm-hmm. Um, but Persona, uh, at the moment, like my game time is all fucked up because I was playing at work, and <clears throat> I would constantly put the system into sleep mode. But even though it's in sleep mode, the timer still goes up in the game. So I'm registered like 19 hours, but I'm really not 19 hours into the game. I don't even think the game is like, what, 20 hours long anyway. Um, I made it to this point where weird shit happens. I'm trying not to spoil it, but weird shit happens, and you end up somewhere that's familiar. It it is by Atlas. It is by Atlas, okay. Um, You end up in some place that's familiar, but it's like completely different for some reason, which I'm not going to explain. And now all the enemies have kind of gotten, you know, they've, they've raised the levels on the enemies. So I'm grinding because I was just trying to see if I could get from point A to point B and I was having so much of a tough time just fighting one battle because you get into the battle like, oh, God forbid you get into a back attack and they hit you first off, they get first turn, second off, they, uh, you're, 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 uh, formation is backwards and it would take you a turn to switch back into your regular formation or to change it to a different formation. So you're essentially giving the enemies two turns to beat the shit out of you. And if they're already beating you to within an inch of your life while you're on that preemptive strike turn, then you're pretty much screwed. So um, I'm trying to just gain some levels and get some more cards because I need to get some better personas and um, also, I want to be able to like talk to the enemies and make them go away if uh, I don't want to fight them. Like if they're really kicking my ass, I'll like talk to them and then try and make them eager and then give me a spell card. And when they give you a spell card, they leave. Or if they give you an item, they leave. But if it doesn't work and they get angry or they get scared, well, if they get scared, they may run. But if they get angry, then they like look at you. And if you're not high enough level, then you're gonna get you're gonna get like intimidated and lose a turn. So that's not going to work out. Uh, the game is really kind of weird because like, I always have to put so much thought into everything I do in this game. As is Nights and Nightmare, but Nights and Nightmare is a completely different story. The reason why I have to think a lot about Persona and what I do is because the way the game works is so unorthodox. Like, You have different spell types. You have your elements, fire, ice, uh, earth wind uh i think those are the those are the only elements fire ice earth and wind then you have other quote-unquote elements but they're like i don't don't know if they're elements or not they may be called force or something i I don't know exactly what force is in the game but there's nuclear gravity blast tech and then there's light magic which is called um expel and then there's death magic so you have, what, that's four, eight, ten types of magic, which is not really that much different than some other games. Um, but the thing about it is that all these different enemies are weak to different things. They may be resistant to different things. They may reflect things back at you, and they may absorb different things. 
but you can't tell by looking at them. <laughs> so you have to every turn you got to. There's go no them. indicator. There's no kind no, of. No, there's an indicator, but you just can't like look at enemy and be like, oh, I got to use fire on them. You have to go into the analyze part. Like while you're in your turn, you press the R button and or the R trigger. And does that take up a turn? No, no. Oh, so okay. That that's kind of like a strange journey. Like the bottom screen will show you though, if you have encountered the enemy and fully analyzed them, then it will show you what it's weak to. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you have to you know find out the hard way. But, right, exactly. That's the way um, this works too. Uh, Counter enemy for the first time, and if you do analyze, it'll be all question marks. Uh, what happened? No, I, I'm just I'm just remembering the pain of doing that. Oh, okay. Um, and then after you beat them, then you'll be able to see what their weaknesses are and whatnot. Uh, you know, it's kind of really hard at that point because you may wind up casting a strong spell on that enemy, and it will reflect two times back at you, and <laughs> you don't Ouch. want that. Um, or you may heal them like after everybody else in your team attacks them and may like get them down to low health, and then all of a sudden you cast this spell like, oh, I'm gonna kill him with this spell, and then it heals them. You don't want that either. Says um, you. And then sometimes like the spell be nullified or they'll um, guard it and it'll be less less damage, which means it's not really as effective as another spell. Um, that takes a lot of time, obviously, because every time I get into a fight, I'm like, okay. I, I, first off, I'm playing this game like two, three, four in the morning every day. So, you know, I mean, granted, my my life is supposed to be revolving around the night life, the night schedule. So I'm supposed to kind of be a vampire. Or yes, uh, I'm supposed to be more alert at that time because it's supposed to be more normal time up. But since I live a normal life, uh, on the weekends, on well, on during the week too. <laughs> but yeah, especially during the weekends. Um, it's difficult to concentrate on that as well as, you know, do my job and stuff like that. Sometimes I do them both at the same time. Anyway, uh, every time I get into a fight, I have to spend a minute looking at the enemies and making sure I remember what X, Y, and Z are weak to, uh, what not to use. And then I attack and do things like that. And it's, the numbers are so low that it just seems like things aren't effective, but they are. And then some attacks, they attack like two or three times. And then there's some attacks do other things, you have to remember all this, and remember who attacks what, and when the thing is all said and done, then everybody gets experience based on what they did. So now you find that if you have a character that's like ineffective, and they don't really, they, they can't kill anything, then they're not going to grow as fast, and then they're not going to be as strong. And then you have like the healer whose persona is like maxed out and everything, they get all the experience and stuff like that because they constantly have a use every turn. So it's weird, weirdly balanced. Um, but grinding is kind of fun. Like if I have like a half an hour or something, or you know, time to just concentrate and run around and fight stuff, then I get to start to learn how the enemies in the area work, and I start to be able to to complete these fights a little bit faster. And then I start being able to gain my levels, and then I get the spell cards by talking to them, and I can go into the velvet room, fuse me some personas, etc., etc., etc. Uh, you would understand more if you played the game. So now on to the next. I, I game. actually, I actually kind of sort of do because it sounds very like it sounds like uh, a lot of the Shin Megami Tensei games are very similar because a lot of yeah. this sounds like it comes straight out of Strange Journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you about that before you moved on was how is the dungeon design and is it a first-person crawler? Uh, yeah, it's uh, the dungeons are first-person perspective crawlers and 
the weird thing about that is that it, it seems absolutely needless for it to be a first-person crawler because there are no treasures in the world. There's no reason to go and navigate beyond the beaten path, you know? Yeah. Like beyond going where you have to go, it makes no sense to go into these nooks and crannies that they've created because there's nothing there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the only treasures are in the rooms, which then convert to a isometric view where there's no enemies anyway. It sounds like it sounds like the uh, the successor to Final Fantasy II in first person. Yeah. Hey, here's a bunch except, of rooms that you don't need to go into. Yeah, except for the fact that in Final Fantasy II, it's rooms, but in um, in Persona, it's more like just corners. Corners, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's like that. In, it's like that in in Strange Journey, which is why I haven't talked about it in a while. I stopped playing that. It, it's it's kind of lost me. Mm-hmm. So, and they have a lot of one way doors too. Which are annoying. It's like, ooh, now I found a door, but now I can't go back through it. It's just a short. It's just a shortcut to where I came from, which mm-hmm. is good if you're trying to escape fast. But if you're trying to get back to that point, it's really annoying. Yeah, if you're just exploring, now you're like, oh fuck. Now you get yeah. Do, do you, does that happen in uh, in your game as well? No, um, there is a part that, like, I guess maybe it's just the way it's designed. It's supposed to be pushing you forward. But there was a part that I got. I went from one area to another, and they're like, you can't go back. But I think that I wasn't supposed to go back anyway. Right. It, it wasn't hindering It wasn't hindering your progress back to where you wanted to go if you were trying to return to base. It's like... Yeah, and, and, and actually, as a matter of fact, right after I went through that area and I couldn't go back, there was a heal and save area right after. Okay. There so go. I think it was supposed to be progression. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's it about Persona. Um onto Nights in a Nightmare, which is a game that is gonna you're probably gonna be confused when I describe it. Uh I'll just say, yes, it's a bullet hell real time strategy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a bullet hell real time strategy. <laughs> so what I've uh, be, before you begin, just to be clear, you have the PSP version, correct? Because there are there are two versions. There's a DS version and the PSP version. Right. And the DS version is like not even in publication anymore. Oh really? Yeah, that's that's part of the reason why I have a PSP version. The other oh. part of the reason is because uh, it came with Igri Union for free. But that's not really the reason why I bought it, because even if it didn't come with Igri Union, I would have bought this. Right. And you have Igri Union on, on GBA already, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. As do I, Union I think. Union for PSP is, is potentially better because, A, it's on a you know nice big screen. Uh, B, nice it's big. not... <laughs> it's, B, it's, it's, it's just not as unforgivable Givingly difficult as <laughs> the PS, uh, as the DS version. Like DS version is like uh, Wait, it's. I thought it was a GBA game. No, I'm sorry, it's a GBA game. Not a okay, DS. you scared me. I was like, I was like, yeah, is there another version DS. that I don't know about? Because I was thinking about Nightmare Nightmare. The GBA version is unforgivably difficult, and I tried playing it. I think I got up to like the. F- I don't remember. Maybe I should eBay it, and maybe I should eBay that because it's rare now. And uh, and get the PSP version and get uh, of Knights of Nightmare and get Eugene and instead you would have that. to um make you'd have to get it like really soon because it's supposed to be a limited offer. Uh, they said it was only with pre-orders in the beginning, but then maybe they didn't get enough pre-orders. But they then said, oh, uh, oh yeah, we're gonna have it as a limited supply like when the after release. So maybe it, it'd probably be like a month or so. I th- because I wonder. I wonder if it's out on PSN and and that deal applies for PSN purchases. I I don't know. I haven't tried because I know I, this is a code, so that means that you can oh. potentially have a code 
for a game that's not publicly listed on PSN, but I, I don't Right, right. Yeah. I haven't turned on my PS3 in, in like weeks. <laughs> well, actually I have, but I haven't turned it on to actually play a game. Right. I to watch like Netflix and DVDs and shit, which to me doesn't count as turning yeah, on. Yeah, no, that doesn't count. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, let me see. I'm looking at my backlog. Backlog, backlog. Looking at my backlog. Looking at my backlog. And Looking at my backlog. Looking at my backlog. Backlog. I guess I have to sort of buy alphabetical so I can get to Y because it's like in the middle of something. Idra Union. And I, I, I guess the reason why I asked which one you got was because the, I'm looking it up on, on GameFAQs and Giant Bomb and stuff, and there's some forum posts that are like, actually, playing it with the stylus helps with the bullet hell parts. Or, oh, it probably does. Um, yeah, I could definitely see that, and I'll explain that uh, when I get to that. Um, but having more screen real estate is probably also good, too. Like, it's a balancing act between PSP and DS. But I really wanted it for the DS when it first came out, and I was I slept on it and. Man, I couldn't find it for the price that I wanted. Anyway, my progress in Inter Union is Battlefield number 19, which is chapter 4. And I think there's like 40 battlefields in the game or something like that. Or 50? So you're halfway through. Yeah, kind of. But. Doesn't sound like it, though, from your voice. No, the reason why I'm saying that is because the status of my characters is like. I'm about to die. It, it, you know, like two turns, I cannot like pass a a stage because it's just that, uh, you know, I, I'm gonna die. And the way injury union works, I have explained it before. Um, you use points like your life to attack. Not you don't use your life to attack, but when you attack people, you lose some of yours. And in order to get that those the, that value back of your your vitality, you have to use items. But you don't really get items, so it's weird. It, it's like it makes it ever increasingly more difficult because the items that you want to use in battle are going to start being the items that you need to use to heal. You know? Yeah. I'm slightly confused and also very scared of of playing this game now. Yeah, because it's basically the same items that you use to make yourself stronger are the same items that you use to heal yourself. Right. Okay. And it, it then becomes like, oh, well, what do I do? Do I equip this item? And then I think once you equip an item, you can't unequip it. And so it's like, do I use this item to make Igdra stronger? Or do I use this item to, to heal my guy for another round? <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? I don't know what to right. do. So PSP, their default mode is quote-unquote easy mode. And the, the GBA version is hard mode that you can only unlock after finishing the game. So maybe I'll actually be able to finish Idra Union. I don't know. Um, but now, to actually talk about the game, Nights in the Nightmare, the no. way it is, it works just like every other like turn-based strategy where you get a scene, <clears throat> like a, you know, a cutscene, you set up your troops, then you go into battle, you succeed at battle, and you get another cutscene. In this game, actually, you get two. You get a cutscene from the past, and then there's a cutscene of the current story. Because the uh, the story in Nights and Nightmare works is that uh, there's this female knight who steals uh, like the soul of this king, and this is happening all at the same time where this other king and his like his subjects or something like that they're like dabbling in dark arts and they're fusing the world of the human world and the demon world something like that, and they I don't know if they inadvertently did it or if they intentionally did it, but basically what's happening is that 
demons and humans are starting to um to to, to merge on, into the same world, and nobody knows what the hell's going on. Like I'm really in the beginning of the game, and the, the only thing that's happening right now is like, uh oh, she 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 stole something precious from the, the castle. Everybody's trying to find this woman, but at the same time, uh, you as the wisp, the soul. You're trying to just acclimate yourself to the world. So she puts you in these places to kind of, uh, well, she puts you in this one place and leaves you. And you're kind of like getting used to the world and training and stuff like that. And then the second and the third stages are just, they just take place in the forest. And it's like, oh, get away from here. And then you fight. And then after you beat them, then like, oh, I'm sorry. And then you go to the next thing. And they're like, oh, you can't be here. We're going to kill you. Is monsters in the woods. What what do you expect, right? So um, once you get into the battle, uh, well, before you get into the battle, I should say, you set up your troops, and the troops... Uh, oh, God, this is where it starts to get confusing. You have four or five, maybe six different types of um, characters that you can use. And I'm assuming, you know, they start out with one, and then you get two, and now you have, I have three. And it's going to keep on giving me an extra character to play with and learn for every scenario after the fourth one, which was the one I'm on now. There's the warrior. There's the hermit. There's the knight. There's the priestess. And uh, I don't know. I'm looking at the box now. Let's see if I can see. I don't know. I probably won't be able to figure it out. But there's uh, the priestess. And, uh, and uh, I'm getting it. I'm getting <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm in the book right now. Uh, uh, Okay. Uh, I can't really talk about that right now. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. The duelist, the warrior, the hermit, the archer, the priestess, the wizard, the lance knight. Those are six and classes. the hooker. Actually, seven classes. Now, here's the thing. Each of these characters yeah. has a different weapon that they can use. They have different types of techniques, speeds, and they can only attack in a certain direction. And this wait, is where wait, it gets wait, confusing. Wait, wait. What? Yes! This is where it gets confusing. And this so, is grid-based, right? Yes, it's all grid-based. So motherfuckers can come up behind you. No, well, here's the thing. Okay, okay. In battle, your characters do not get hurt, technically. You do. You do. Because you're and the, the only way that the only way that your characters can actually like be inflicted with some kind of damage, I believe they have like a, a, a vitality. Um, the only way that you can receive damage, actually, I'm kind of looking at that now because I, I, it's very confusing. Like I said, um, I know for a fact that one way that you can receive permanent damage, which is not really damage, just like it reduces the amount of time that you have left in the round, is if you get hit by the bullets that the uh monster shoot. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's some kind of vitality or some kind of uh, thing that can affect your characters while you have materialized them because you move around as a wisp and when you take uh, control of a character by going onto their square and then holding the button and moving in whatever direction to angle them and uh, basically the longer that you have them selected by holding down the button you charge up a meter that increases their range of attack and then after their range is maxed out it increases the multiplier on their damage so it's like a twofold kind of charging, and they let go and they do their attack. And after they do their attack, then they become transparent again, 
and they're um, not materialized anymore. So, have I confused you already? Um, yeah, kind of, but I did cheat because I'm looking at a gameplay video. <laughs> Um, and I'm seeing how it could be much more beneficial to play it with a stylus. Yeah. Um, because it looks like, so it looks like the gameplay takes place on the bottom screen of the DS version. And this guy is basically weaving in and out and trying to get away from these bullets while he's touching, while he's touching, while he's touching his own characters. Now, I, I can imagine how kind of uh, sluggish it could feel in comparison by using the D-pad or the analog nub to move the wisp. Mm-hmm. As the only thing that you have... Um kind of, I don't know if this is, I'm pretty sure that this is not in the DS version because it wouldn't make any sense, because you you can control your speed with your hand. Uh, there is a speed, right. um, speed up, speed down, by pressing triangle and circle. Oh, God. And that is a little bit cumbersome. Um, part of me, part of me wants to find and pay expensively for the, there's actually a, four, a, a guy selling it for 14 bucks on Amazon for oh, DS. Wow. Is it like a, a private guy? Yeah, that's a private guy. Private guy. That's the thing. You know, you never know what you're gonna get with with some dude. Yeah, there's people Nintendo. selling it. There's people selling it used for like ten, uh, twenty bucks, which is you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, Solid sorry, station. that's not so bad. Um, uh, so what happens in the the battle is you you're you're going through. Oh, I didn't talk about the directions. For example, the warrior can only attack in a uh, up, upper right corner direction or lower right corner direction. No, no. It's upper right and upper left, I think. I'm going to look at the uh, thing now just to say it right because I want to say it right. The warrior fights, yes. Uh, diagonal upright and diagonal upper left. And uh, It's kind of like chess. It sounds like chess or checkers. Kind of, right. And now, mind you, a lot of these characters don't move. Uh, the only character I think that only the only character that can move. No, there are two characters that can move. The duelist can move forward, and the um, lance knight, the 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 horse mounted knight guys, they can move uh, one one or two squares using an attack uh, in chaos phase, which that's another thing I'll talk about in a second. So all the other characters are stationary. <laughs> all the other characters are stationary. So you, you are stuck where you're placed. Like, there are only certain places that you can put the characters, and they're already there when you start the level. It's not like, oh, I'm going to put a piece here, I'm going to put a piece And I'm going to move them. And I'm going to move them, right. The only thing is there are two places, two characters, three places, three characters, whatever. They're, the places are there. And you can switch the characters around in, in between the places, but... Those places are already predetermined, at least in the scenarios that I've been in, the three that I've been in, they are predetermined to make best use of the character. So if you put a warrior up at the top of the screen, he's useless because he's not going to hit anything. Because he only hits up left and up right. Right. And if you put a hermit at the bottom of the screen, he's going to be useless because he can only hit down left and down right. Now the knights, of course, here's the different thing. The knights can go up left, up right, down right, and down left. So they can pretty much attack in any direction. And on top of that, they can move one or two squares with their horse. So if there's space in front of them, they will... In an L shape? Well, not in an L shape, just (laughs) just straight. That super battle shmup chess. Now, on top of the fact that these characters can only attack in one direction, or two directions, or four directions in the case of the Lance Knight, 
um, I think some more, even three directions, they can only attack in certain patterns. And these patterns are influenced by what act phase you're in. There's the lawful act phase and the chaos or the chaotic act phase. So it's law and chaos. The way it works is law provides a particular type of um, like a formation, maybe an L formation or a straight line formation or something like that. And you can attack and attack these enemies. The regular attacks that you do are very weak. They do pretty much like no damage. And um, they generate gems that increase your MP. And you use MP to utilize the special attacks from the weapons that you collect in the game. And you basically link a weapon that uh, one of your characters can use. And you, you charge it up for whatever it is. And then you unleash it and they do their special skill. And the special skill uh, can do things like break barrels or open treasure chests in an area so you can get more items. Uh, they do extreme damage to enemies depending on the element. There are, uh, there's fire, ice, lightning, neutral, chaos, uh, <laughs> dark and light. And that's pretty simple. It's like, okay, even before they start the thing, you go on an enemy and it goes, use ice on fire. And they go to another enemy, use lightning <gasps> on neutral. So that's good. They tell you what to do. But say you only have, you know, a warrior down at the bottom of the screen, and they their only real special attack that they have is, like, dark. Okay. Well, it's not so bad because the dark will work on the enemies. But, of course, you're trying to kill these enemies because of something else that I have to explain later. <laughs> oh, God. So... I'm I'm working on confusing you to the point of just throwing up your arms, but I I already did that about three times, like about okay, good. So uh, I've already told you about how they attack and how you run around the game, and I told you about the chaos and the law phases. Some weapons only work in chaos, and some weapons only work in law. And I think they also influence like where this character that you use the item on, where they lean, or how often you stay in whatever act phase and use that character. I haven't figured that out yet. But there's a, a bar that's under the character that has L on the left and C on the right, and it kind of moves to the left and right depending on what you do. Uh, these enemies, they move sometimes. Uh, a lot of them move to different places on the map. Some of them kind of stay in one place for a while, and then they're like going to ground and pop up somewhere else. And they're shooting their bullets at you. And you're dodging the bullets, running around, dodging the bullets, trying to set up these, these attacks and everything like that. And there's a timer. Usually it's like 90 seconds or something like that. Or 90 ticks. I don't know if it's actual seconds. But every time you get hit, you lose time. Uh, every time you get hit, I should say, every time your wisp gets hit by a bullet, you lose time. And when that time runs out, the round is over. Your goal in every match or every... Uh, battle screen is to arrange like a tic-tac-toe type of a row or a column of kill. There, there are enemies after every round there's a roulette and, or yeah, there's a roulette, a slot basically, not roulette. So roulette is a circle. Uh, there's a slot machine that kind of runs and you have to stop the slot machine on a particular enemy and each enemy in the slot machine corresponds to a different point on this grid. And the grid starts out, I think, three by three. Then it starts to go four by four. Uh, then it's like five by four, six by four. And uh, each of the, you know, each enemy corresponds to a different point on the grid. So it's not like one real 
spins and it's all just one, two, three, four down the column. One may be at one, one, one may be at three, four, one may be at two, three, you know, you know what I'm saying? Follow? I, I kind of don't. <laughs> okay. Think about it like this. There's a tic-tac-toe grid. I'm going to give you the most basic one. Three by three, right? Yeah. And there's a slot machine on top of it. That's three reels. Yeah. And each of those three reels has three enemies on it. Okay. So that's oh, nine. okay. Okay. And nine spots. Okay. So as the reels are spinning, the one that passes through the center will correspond to a spot on a tic-tac-toe grid, but it's not in order. It's scattered. You okay. good? Okay. As good as I can be. <laughs> Remember, so, I, I, my brain is like floating away as we speak, and I'm not even trying to grab it. Oh yeah, I remember the prices. Yeah. So, um. The objective is to have kill going either straight down or straight across. I don't know if diagonal works. I don't think diagonal works because you have to, like, in the case of, like, a 4x5 or 4x6, you either get 4 straight down or 6 across. Mm. Um, so what you have to do is you have to select the enemies that you want to fit the best possible outcome for you based on how many rounds you they tell you you need to take before game over. So, like, for example, like, arrange kill uh, in, a, you know, this grid in six turns. So you have six turns, basically, to a- achieve your goal. And if, if you are in a situation where you um, have kill-kill going vertically and you need one more kill, you want to try and stop that reel so that that last enemy that you get picked up or one of whichever enemy on that reel comes up is that one that's in the bottom of that column. And as long as you kill that enemy in that turn, you win the match. Good? Uh, sure. Okay. So, while you're spinning the reels, the reels spin really fast, and you choose one, then it starts to slow down, it chooses another, it slows down until the last reel, which spins really slowly. So it allows you to, if you know which reel has the enemy that you want, you can just choose whatever for the other three, and then just wait for it to spin, and pick up the one that you want for the fourth one. Hopefully you understood that one, too. I'm just listening and, and nodding okay. in agreement. Okay. And I'm hoping the <laughs> listeners haven't turned this off by this point. Oh, man, but hopefully they'll be interested in buying this game. So, essentially, that's how the game works. You You go into battle, you choose your items that you're going to equip to these characters that when you built enough MP, you will unleash to do as much damage as possible while not getting hit by these bullets so that you can achieve the kills in these in this grid so that you can achieve your goal of obtaining a kill row or column in a certain amount of turns. The items have a durability. Every time you use them to do a, a skill, the durability goes down. So, of course, if durability reaches zero, the item breaks. What you can do is you can combine weapons to increase the durability. You can also make them stronger. If you combine weapons of different types uh, of strength, the lowest strength applies, but the durability matches up. So you have like Frozen Axe plus one and a Frozen Axe plus three. The plus three has five durability. The plus one has four durability. You're going to get a Frozen Axe plus one with nine durability. Math. I hate math. You can also, um, as you gain more characters, you can uh, give XP to the characters. And you get XP by narrowly, like doing a near miss on a, a bullet. You get XP. You get XP by winning the battle. I think you also get XP by attacking enemies uh, and picking up the gems and stuff like that. You give them the XP, they'll grow stronger. 
Uh, you can transfer one soul to another. Uh, you lose the old character, but you make the, the destination character stronger. You can tell people to leave the party. Uh, actually, when you get these characters in, in play, they will only join you if you actually have an item that corresponds to them, which means that you have to like unlock, you know, break these the, the, the obstacles in previous levels to pick up these items so that you can give it to the person that hasn't joined your crew yet. And then they'll go, oh, I remember this, and they will join you. Because basically it's supposed to be some kind of artifact from their life that they can identify with. And that's Nice in a Nightmare. Which wow, is, that was about half an hour. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of guessed that. So the other games I've been playing was uh, Super Scribble Knots, which um, about to finish the sixth constellation out of ten. And uh, I was digging through shit, and I found Command and Conquer Generals, and I played a tutorial mission of that. And I'm like, wow, these graphics are mad old, and the gameplay still kind of works out. So that's cool. Uh, I was playing Final Fantasy XIV for a little bit, and the graphics are fucking awesome now with my new computer, which I don't want to talk about now because I'm taking way too much time to talk. But I upgraded my computer, got a new motherboard. 8 gigs of RAM, Windows 7, and that was all I needed to, and well, I got a new hard drive, too. I don't know if the hard drive even helped, because in my Windows Experience Index, it's still a 5.9. Everything is a 7 except my hard drive. I'm like, what the fuck? My hard drive is awesome. But whatever. Uh, what, uh, what's better about it, specifically? It is, um, 7200, well, 70, I, the other one is 7200 RPM, but it is a terabyte SATA three six gigabyte six gigabits per second. I'm wondering if they only if it's only tracking the RPM and it doesn't like maybe it doesn't recognize or take into account the SATA standard yet or not SATA standard but the speed of the SATA standard at this point. Like maybe it still thinks it's just a three. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. But uh, when I had my other computer, you know, when I had everything with Vista. I think my hard drive was still the lowest, and it was still a f- it was like a 5.7. Everything else was 5.9 except for the hard drive was like 5.7. Right. But now my hard drive is 5.9, and everything is like 7.3, 7.6. I feel like it scales though. Like I've heard that it scales in terms of like as as time goes on and applications become more robust. Like, and and I could be totally wrong, but it, it'll. It, it it will kind of scale to match the standard of the average application at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And, and also because you're in 7 and not Vista, maybe 7 has a higher standard for things? I don't know. Well, they've increased their cap from 5.9 to 7.9. Right. Ooh, that would be because it's Windows 7. But, but what, I, what I also mean is a hard drive that you'd think would be... F- would be better is actually not that better according to seven because it's like well things should be at this average right about or things should be at a certain average at this point in time therefore to us to to us the windows seven robots this hard drive is merely really good and not super awesome i don't know whereas whereas vista is probably like holy shit you got a 6.0 sata drive Ah, 10 or something i know it doesn't go to 10 Anyway, but I don't know. I don't know. Microsoft it's just that SATA, SATA 3, 6 gigs per second is actually relatively new, just like USB 3.0, which this board also has. So I don't know. It's oh, well, look at you. Ooh, ah, super SATA yeah. and super USB. Yep, super. Universal uh, super bus. It makes, well, whatever it is, it makes Final Fantasy 14 run like it's supposed to, 40 to 60 frames per second. So and I'm note, very pleased. Note that he did not uh, 
upgrade his video card really. Right, I still have a 5770. It was all that... everything else. It was the motherboard, it was the, o... the OS you think helped? No, no, no. Okay, so it was the motherboard primarily. The motherboard and the RAM primarily. I think I would have been alright with DDR2, but this board doesn't support DDR2 at all anyway. Uh, Te- technically, actually, the OS would have been part of it too, because now you're running in a 64-bit OS and you can have more RAM. That's very true, yes. Um, but I think I may have also had a problem where, like, I had three gigs of RAM, but I only had three one-gig chips, and I-, I had no idea until I started doing this upgrade that when you use dual-channel memory, you're supposed to use two fucking chips. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I have this one chip that I bought at a computer show that's sitting in the slot, and I should have bought two half-gig uh, chips instead of one one-gig chip, and I think that that might also be slowing things down. Gotcha. Oh, th- that could be it. Yeah, but... Uh, whatever. I, I won't know now until I build this other computer and I'm not putting Final Fantasy fourteen on it, so whatever. Why not? Uh, that one computer MMO in the world. It's been as well. and as a final note, I would like to say that also while rummaging through shit, I found black and white from uh Peter Molyneux and I promptly threw it out. I like I am not playing this game ever again. Uh, I remember when you lent it to me, and I'm just like, you can have it back. Mm-hmm. I played it for about, like, I don't know, two hours, and I was just like, I, 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 uh, here. Uh, unlike Alpha Centauri, which you lent me, and I, and I didn't play, and I gave it back. I should have played that instead. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, don't you have Civ 4? I do, but... I, I didn't borrow it from you. That's what I'm saying. I didn't borrow oh, it. Yeah, of course. I didn't borrow it from you, not play it, and then give it back. Kind of like Final Fantasy Disease, which I still having sitting on my desk. Mm-hmm. Haven't played it. Need to just give it back to you. Um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I don't even like freaking. Nah, I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, so, it's oh, your it's, turn. Actually, it's not on my desk. Where the fuck did it go? Uh oh, it disappeared. Um, it the city appeared. Ah, uh, no. That's uh, um, now I'm really paranoid. I, 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 I don't know where it is. Um, you'll find it. I'll find it. Um, so a couple of things that I beat, and these are all old games, so they're much more boring. Uh, but uh, so a week and a half. I forgot to talk about this last week, but a week and a half ago, I beat the conduit. Um, clocked in at just under eight hours. I think it was like seven hours and forty something odd minutes. The story has like one decent moment in it that I was like, oh, cool, interesting. Not super great, not super intriguing, not like, oh my god. <laughs> it's like Inception. Oh, oh my god. Like, no one's ever done this type of shit. No, but given how bland the entire's the entire game's story was throughout for, for, for the other seven hours of the game mm-hmm. when that thing happened uh, uh, or, or, or I was just like, okay, yeah. so they have some balls on them. Okay. They have some storytelling balls. It's specific <laughs> one, one storytelling ball. And the sad thing about that, that it was completely messed up by the extraordinarily flat performances. Like the voice acting in that game is so, I'm trying to think of a word that's above horrible because it's not offensive. It's not like you, the master of unlocking, will enjoy this key. It's, it's just like it's like um, okay. So Kevin Sorbo, who you also may know as Hercules, mm-hmm. 
plays Prometheus, the kind of guy, the guy in your earpiece, as so many games have nowadays. He's he's the uh, he's the Navi or the uh, or the the guy in your head from Bioshock or the uh, the guy on your radio in Crisis. Actually, no, there are many different people who radio in in Crisis. So that's kind of different, but you get the drift. Like, there's yeah. always that guy in your ear. Yeah. And so he's played by that guy's played by Kevin Sorbo, who's Hercules. Um, and your main character is played by a guy who's been in Battlestar Galactica. He's been in 24. He's been in Leverage. He's been in a couple of things. He's not a fantastic actor by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a good character actor. He, he has his roles. Dialogue plays out like this. It's like, I need you to go down the hall and disable that thing so that you can get through the door. Why should I listen to you? I don't have time to explain that right now, but you need to do it if you want to live. I guess I have no choice but to trust you. What are these things? I don't have time for that right now. I'll tell you that later. Why do I get the feeling that you're not telling me everything I need to know? Because there's no time for that. That's it. That, that's how <laughs> flat the voice acting is. So imagine, if you will, and that's, this is not to say that this moment in the game is actually poignant, but imagine any poignant moment in any video game ruined by that kind, kind of acting. Like, it, I'm, yeah. trying to, I'm trying to think of something that's like, uh, 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 I don't know. Anyway, that's, <laughs> I was just like, I wish that I had had it on like mute or that they spoke in like Star Fox slash Animal Crossing slash Simlish because this thing tends to go like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> it's so like, it's so, so, so bad. Like, and, and the moment is, is okay, but not only is the performance bad, but the writing around it's bad. Like mm. it, it's, it's so terrible. Like imagine a video game, imagine another, uh, just pulling a, a, an example out of thin air. Imagine a video game where someone's like, you need to kill me, like kill, kill me or, or something, something, something like for the sake of the mission, you have to kill me. And like your character's like, no, I can't. Right. Imagine that type of scenario. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of anything pointed and there's, and they're like, you have to kill me. Otherwise you won't be able to complete your mission. But I can't. We've been, through, <laughs> we've been through so much through thick and thin. Just do it. All right. I guess I have to. Bang. Like that. Imagine that. Like that's what I'm saying. Is like not not only is the voice acting bad, but like the writing surrounding is like it's like all this back and forth of like uh, in that scenario is like oh you have to do this oh but I can't oh but you have to oh I guess I do okay. <laughs> you know? Yes, I guess I will have to shoot you now. So it's like Damn. the one redeeming moment in the story. Uh, which, again, I'm not going to talk about what it is, but if you can imagine the weight of something like I just explained applied to this alien story, whatever, like mm -hmm. ruined by this, you know, terrible performance and terrible dialogue. It's like, great, thanks. Uh, not to mention that 99% of the story, well, that that's unfair. A lot of the story is disseminated to your earpiece, but then every time in between a level, there's a cutscene while the game loads that is just... Um, it's just one screen. The bottom half of the screen has the dialogue so that you can read it if you have the TV on mute. And the upper right-hand corner of the screen has a silhouette of the person you're talking to. And I could be getting this wrong. I don't really care if I'm getting it wrong because that's basically what it is. It's basically a whole bunch of Metal Gear Solid Codec conversation. Nice. That's basically what it is. Just a window with text and two faces. That's it. Great. Thanks. Thanks for playing a video game in the year 2008 because that's when it was released thanks for you know yeah thanks um mm. 
And then there's the whole problem. Like the last part of the, the last part of the game, a lot of it was they would just throw enemy after enemy after enemy at you. And that's one problem with this game is that the enemy AI is so just like it, it's it's half stupid and half like we're just gonna dominate you in numbers. Oh, swarms. And, yeah, and it's just stupid. Like, and I kind of long for, um, I kind of long for the crisis. Well, you know, okay, so in crisis, they're not that smart. Mm-hmm. But at least they're they they you know they add some kind of element to it where you know you have to figure your way around the compounds that you come across or or you have to take things out in a certain order and at least they have like snipers set up and they have things set up reasonably decently so that you have to you know think about it in conduit it's more like just shoot as fast as you can get to cover shoot cover shoot cover shoot cover shoot cover shoot up oh, you're dead oh no no I have to do it all over again because they're all coming to you in a swarm. Mm. Um, so I, I long for that, and I long for the Gears of War mentality of you've got cover, and if you stay there too long, they're going to flank you, or they're going to do other shit to you, but you can sneak up behind them, and then that's when they're stupid, because they should be stupid, because you can sneak up behind No, it, this is, <laughs> like, again, I'd rather play Duke Nukem forever at this point, which actually I shouldn't say, because that, that makes it sound like a, a backhanded compliment with Duke Nukem forever. Yeah. I really do want to play it, but get my drift. Um, and, and to beat those, those areas, you just have to bunny hop. Bunny hop, bunny hop, bunny hop, bunny hop, bunny hop. Jump, 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 jump. Jump, 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 jump. Shoot, shoot, jump, jump, shoot, shoot. Haven't we gotten past that in like 2008? Haven't we gotten past the bunny hop as a as a viable strategy to beat a single player game? Wait, 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 wait. What's your rubbing on there? Huh? What's your rubbing on there? Uh, Wait, you mean rubbing, rubbing? Yes. Oh, no, that was me scratching my ear. I had to lift my uh, thing and I put it back. Can you hear it again? Yeah, exactly. All right. You've you, you bunny hopping in a single-player game to, you mean, like, just, like, how they do in, in multiplayer games where you jump around yeah, and shoot? That, that's how many enemy because they're just throwing enemies at you, and they're just all bearing down on you. So it's like, how else am I going to beat this level but just make myself a harder target to hit and just bunny hop? <laughs> oh, my God. In a single player game, again, against. a single player game. Oh damn! Anyway, um, the one mm-hmm. redeeming thing about that game once I once I beat it is that it unlocked a cheat that gives you infinite ammo and one hit kills. And so I got to try out some of the. Um, there are some weapons that you can get in the game which have limited ammo and cannot be recharged, so they're kind of like super limited edition weapons. Mm-hmm. So now that I unlocked this cheat, I can go through the whole game with those special weapons. Um, and that's kind of fun. Actually, that's a lot of fun because it's basically like it, it, it's it's one part. I don't give a shit about this game and I can I, I'm abusing it now. And it's one part like, hey, well, these game th- these the weapons, the alien weapons and the advanced weapons in this game are actually pretty cool. Um, OK, it's kind of akin to say when you unlock unlimited ammo and all the best weapons in Resident Evil. You can just I, go and like destroy yeah, the game. Yeah, in a way. In a way, yes. Although I think that what, what that does with Resident Evil is make it a completely different game. Yeah, it whereas, does. Whereas with the conduit, what it does is make it a game that I actually give a shit about. So <laughs> Which is a completely different game. Which is I guess okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but um, I know what you mean. But like some of the weapons are cool and it, it like a, a lot of the alien weapons are basically living things. So like the like there's this one thing called like the hive cannon, and it's basically this little alien stub that you mash onto your hand, and once you do that, it goes like it screeches. Um, mm. 
So it's alive. It's this thing that you're holding in your hand and you're shooting out of its mouth. It's, you're like sh- you're shooting like plasma energy or whatever. And when you reload, you, you basically you, you you basically take this orb. I guess it's an egg or something, and you jam it into its mouth yeah. to reload. So it's like you equip it. It goes eh! and then reload. It goes. Eh! It, you know, it's so it's a living thing in your hand, and that that's kind of gross. And it's it's not super inventive, but it's at least somewhat intriguing. Um, and like the alien weapons kind of feel cool to use. Um, I never got the sensation and, and because there's very few other points of comparison uh, from Halo that the alien weapons felt satisfying to use all that much. Mm-hmm. Maybe the plasma handgun was kind of all right, but otherwise they just kind of felt like, Right. Yeah, like the real kicker was in the was in the Marines' weapons, like like the the assault rifle. The assault rifle in Halo is is, despite my opinions of that game, is a fantastic weapon. I really like the way that gun feels and whatnot. And in this game, it's actually like the alien weapons that feel much better. They they just have a kick to them. The uh, the fact that like you have this one alien that is living on your arm may may have something to do with it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's such a it's such a shame. Like the game itself is just such a shame. It, it's got a fantastic engine that puts out really, really good-looking technology, but shitty level design and like bland. When you're outdoors on like the Washington D.C. streets, it just looks like oh, here's a building and here's here's a, a sidewalk concrete and <laughs> and it's bland. Yay! Like only when you get into the really, really redundantly designed uh, secret secret areas like like uh like bunkers and shit like that that have all these glowing lights and stuff do you get to see the technology get shown off and even at that point it's like well this is pretty to look at but it's not from an aesthetic standpoint it's from oh this tech is really good for the week um, uh, there we go again using a qualifier it shouldn't be it looks good period but obviously it, it doesn't look as good as a 360 so there you go um and then there's there's the weapons but it's put to use in you know just it, it's just they have they have an engine. They have weapons. What they should do, in my opinion, if the Conduit 2 is, you know, which I'm, I'm actually like, okay, I'll give them a second chance, actually, because they said, like, we, they actually had interviews where they were like, yeah, we weren't too happy with this. Yeah, we heard the feedback, and we're going to try to change it up instead of being like, Sorry, oh, deal. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm willing to give another shot, but if that sucks, too, what I think they should do is take that engine charge a shitload of money for it and give it to um I don't know e- sell it to EA or Activision mm. who who are who are making like Call of Duty 3 was no spring chicken on the Wii but it was still decent um World at War I hear nothing but good things about on the Wii and Black Ops was supposed to be decent on Wii as well mm. uh, and and Medal of Honor Heroes 2 is despite its difficulty I really enjoy that game I think it's a nice fast paced game on the Wii Make that engine, sprice, spruce it up, try to get it to run at at least 30 frames a second, if not 60, and sell it off for like a hojillion dollars. Nice, hojillion. That's what they should do. Or or they farm out the design. I, I don't know. It's like they, they don't have their in-house design is just eh. You know, and, you know, I hate saying that from like, like my armchair because it's like, oh, I'm a gamer and I know what's best. You know, no, it's it. I, obviously, I don't know what's best. All I know is how I feel when I'm playing a game. But like, obviously, something went wrong. I don't know. Uh, a lot of people liked it. I don't know what they were playing. <laughs> Maybe they have low expectations. I guess. Um, Crisis I beat this past 
last weekend. I'm sorry. Was it last week? Yes, last weekend I beat Crisis, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like the whole other end of the spectrum, uh, where I gave a lot of a shit about. <laughs> and <laughs> I, okay, so before I talk about this, because I'm I don't want to spoil anything. How much have you heard about just the game in general from beginning to end? None, really. None. Okay, so this is going to be difficult to talk about. Um, do you want to do you want to take off your headset and I'll I'll bring you back in? Uh, no, because <laughs> then effectively you're talking to yourself. No, I'm talking to the audience. Yeah, it's true. But what if? I mean, could you describe it in a non-spoilerific way? Um, yes, because it, it has nothing to do with story. But I know okay. that you like to be surprised by gameplay elements, which is why I offered to hide myself, hide yourself last week when I was talking about the nanosuit dudes. Right. Which probably, uh, I, I would have, I don't think I would have, um, been all, all too shocked. I'm like, oh, look at that. I just knew that, like, well, when I first ran into them, I could clearly see that they were wearing nanosuits. Right. And, uh, you know, I didn't, that was before they stealthed and everything like that. Right. So, well, this is a very high level of the game and it, and it will, it will basically paint your expectations of what's to come. And that might, you know, either that will ruin your experience or that will be a beneficial to you. Cause you'll be like, okay, now I'm ready for this. And mm. I, won't, I won't be as, because for a lot of people, and this is as high level that I can get without spoiling anything, for some people who have been playing Crisis and Far Cry, the way that they've been playing it, um, there are parts of the game, and I'm not going to say how or why, that disappoint them in a certain way. I will say that I am not one of those. Okay. Um, for, okay, so for anybody who's listening who kind of know what I'm talking about, or maybe don't, but but don't care about spoilers, read uh, read the PC Gamer review of this game. Um, read Sean Elliott's uh, oneup.com review of Crisis uh, or just look at a game fact to see how the game evolves from beginning to middle to end um, or follow uh, shit, what's his Twitter name? <laughs> um, uh, follow Doc Brown D-O-C-B-R-O-W-N Doc Brown underscore G-T-M as in Mary um he he tweets about it and complains heavily about it. I will say that those sections of the game that people may be anticipating didn't bother me as much. I spent more of my time looking at the scenery and kind of being entranced in a kind of, whoa, what the fuck kind of mm. vibe. Um, and then the rest of the game, while not as kind of, this is crisis, this is why I like this game, while it's not that much of that going on uh, near the end, it's still very satisfying. Um, it, 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 it's not as special anymore, I will say, in my opinion. But I think the thing about Crisis that, and, and this is coming from a non-graphics whore here, um, because, you know, I, I, and specifically, that doesn't mean that I don't like graphics. That means that I don't think graphics necessarily impact gameplay, and those who focus on that are misguided. And, that's and graphics, that don't, graphics don't make the game. Right. In this case, it actually does. And that's why those parts that were disappointing to other people didn't disappoint me because I'm sitting there. Everything you do is kind of satisfying. I find myself shooting explosive barrels after everyone's dead just to see them explode. (laughs) And just because it gives you that kick and because there's physics behind it and it works. And like 
the the moments at the end of the, at the at the ending hours of the game, I should say, uh, that people take issue with. It's like it, to me, it, it, I didn't take that much of an issue with because, like, it was just fun to kill things in that game. In the Wait, way you that we want to finish this game, finish it, and then we can play multiplayer. You know, it, it it's just um, even when it gets into cliche, and the story by by the way is is still horrible. Like I, I don't even know there's a story in this game. Exactly, and and honestly, it doesn't really matter because it's it's like it doesn't matter. They they just need to give you an, all they need to do is give me an excuse to blow shit up, and I'm cool with it. Yeah, basically, right now it's like, oh, there's Koreans, shoot them. Uh, yeah. All right, fine. Oh, oh we're gonna we're gonna kill you. We're uh, gonna kill you. Oh, so you know there are aliens in there? I mean, you've seen the aliens? In the beginning, oh. it was at the end of the demo. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Like, but I mean, have you encountered them? No. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's, I can, I, I know where people were going with this when they talk about, you know, the first third of the game versus the second third versus the last third. And my opinion on a high level echoes their opinion, uh, in terms of like, well, yes, it does take a change and yes, it, it's not as intriguing, but it's not, a, this is going to be really terrible grammar here. So just brace yourself. Uh-oh, I'm holding the table. Yes. Hold, hold the table, hold your balls. It's not. Yeah, it's not as not enjoyable as it was for me as it was. Okay. For other if that yeah. makes any sense, I it makes a lot of sense. I, 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 my enjoyment of it decreased, but it was still not positive. as much as others. There is one area, and I, and and I, and maybe I am going to spoil this for you, but you should know this going in so that you don't like throw your monitor outside of the window because it's a brand new 1080p monitor. Um. <laughs> But, just like never mind. But there is this one area, and I'm not going to spoil exactly what happens in it. But you will hate it. I think it is probably universally the one area in this game that people just despise and are like, "Why is this in here?" Mm-mm. It lasts for ten minutes. So I tell you this because if it's the type of thing that makes you want to stop playing, because I actually, when I got to this area, was like, "You know what? I give up. I don't want to play this anymore." Mm-mm. I came back later and went through it in 10 minutes and I was like, you know what, I'm glad it didn't stop because obviously that would stop my enjoyment of the rest of this game. But it is only 10 minutes. Stick through it. You'll know it when you come to it. And if you don't know it, more power to you because then that means that you enjoy it and it doesn't ruin your expectations of this game. But I have a feeling. In case, I mean, you, in I... case you hate it, in case you hate okay. it mm-hmm. it's only 10 minutes long. Power through it and, <laughs> and rejoice when it's done. I have a bad feeling that I I know what it is without knowing what it is. Like I've never heard this I'm not, before in I'm my not life. Confirm. I'm I know not you're gonna, not going to tell me, but I, I'm I, curious to see what 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 do you think it is? I don't want to see. I don't want to do that yet. What I want to do is I want to keep it in mind, and when I get to the part, if I if it is, you're like I'll just tell you. Oh yeah, I got to this part. Is this and the part you're, you were talking about? Oh okay okay. I don't want to say it now. I want to say it when I get to it because. Okay. I was looking through stuff in the game and I'm like, oh God. And then something happened when I played yesterday and I'm like, oh, oh no. <laughs> Wait, what, what was that though? What was that? I'm not going to well, tell you. I'm just curious because I want to know. I want to know where you are. That's why. Well, you know where I am. I, but like, I want to see if I had the same reaction. Oh, well, that, that's the thing. I don't know. But if I tell you what it is that I saw, it's going to reveal because the thing that I saw is the thing that I'm referencing in the while looking through the game and oh. thinking that's the part of the game that well, you're talking about. What do you mean by now. looking through the game? Oh, I was looking at the menus and stuff. The menu system. 
See, now it's good. The more you ask me, the more. <laughs> Don't ask me. We'll move on. I'm so curious now. Damn it. My next, my next podcast. You suck. I hate you. I'm going I was, home. Wait, I, I saw am. You are home. I'm looking through. Now I'm not. You know what? Now I'm going to fucking no. look. Through, I'm going to look through the fucking menu now. <laughs> um, all right. So that's Crisis. Um, and I'm on to Crisis Warhead now. Before I talk about that, I want to talk about Mad World just a little bit. I beat Mad World this past week. Did you get soundtrack? I did not get the soundtrack yet. That's what. That's one it. of the things I was going to talk about. You did get it, and I'm curious to hear the whole thing. Um, <clears throat> before I get to that, though, I will say, you know, I'll start off with that. I, one of the things that stand out to me in that game is the soundtrack. I uh, I like hip hop a lot, and before anyone was like, "Oh, why do you like black music?" First of all, get off your high horse, and this is America. Shut up. Um, second of all, um, I, you know what? That's to, to, to sidebar for a second. That's a lot of the attitude that I get from people. Oh, like. Yeah. It, they don't say it outright, obviously. Yeah. Because they're smarter than that. But it's like, you know, to, to the uninformed, it's like hip-hop. It's like, oh, it's black music. It's like, all right, first of all, that doesn't make it a bad thing. Second of all, it's not. Not anymore, at least. Yeah. But anyway, like, it fits so well in, and that's my political racial rant for the day. Uh, it fits so well in the way, in the, in the Mad World style. Um, the... <laughs> It's a lot of um, it's a lot of fast paced delivery, um, and the lyrics are almost all about like I'm gonna kill you. But th- that that's th- they did they made the music for this game, um, and actually I was reading on Wikipedia that all the artists are local to the Platinum Studios um, headquarters. So mm-hmm. I guess they're I guess they're based in whatever Japanese city that that, that headquarters is in, uh, which doesn't necessarily mean that they're Japanese uh, by descent, but. You know, whatever they're, they're local artists, so you haven't heard of them. Um, and they the beats fit the like the, the beats for Asia Town obviously sound like Asian music, right? Yep. Um, but you know the the, the, the lyrics are fast paced. They're, they're all very visceral. Um, and they 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 just fit the kind of like I'm in here lopping heads off, and you know I'm actually this is actually not a grim place to be. It's a fun place to be, which. Okay, fine. I'm glorifying violence. Shoot me. <laughs> I just said shoot me. I We're all adults. Shoot me. We're all adults. You know, Fuck but, it. but that. th- that's Mad World, right? It's not a. I mean, uh, it, it's not a. Um, I'm trying to think of a game here. It's not Saw the video game where mm-hmm. there is a Saw video game where it's like it's gruesome and which I heard is actually a pretty good game. It's gruesome <laughs> and it's dark and it's whatever. No, this is like there's blood everywhere, but it's like nuts and 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 freaking. Uh, Bender and Marcus Phoenix, the guy who plays, is 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 announcing with some other smartass dude, making wisecracks, making like you know homophobic jokes, which isn't politically correct, but the whole game is not politically correct, so it's it's offending everybody. So don't don't get all up in arms about that. Uh, making like poop jokes, fart jokes, dick jokes, and you know it's it, it's it's gross, it's gruesome, but it's in the fun spirit, not in the dark spirit. You know what I mean? So the all the the music and the 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 really fast-paced rapping in the background really fits it just so well. Um, and the visuals, like, I kind of, my eyes kind of got tired of looking at black and white for that whole time, to be honest, which is a shame because I really do like the black and white visual style. I, I like the way they did that. It's not even just, it's not mono, it's not even like black and white on the TV. It's monochrome with yellow and red, mm-hmm. yep. you know? Um, now, I don't necessarily think it's, that good of a design game in all honesty 
I ran out of things to do by the first stage, I felt. Like, there's tire, lamppost, oil drum, rosebush. Tire, lamppost, 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 oil drum, rosebush. Or tire, seven lampposts, throw you in a dumpster. And there's the occasional environmental thing, like in in the spaceship where you throw them down the garbage chute, but... You know what I mean? Most of the combo attacks are all the same thing. You stick mm-hmm. something through you stick something through their head, you immobilize them, you pick them up and then you put them on something. Like I would have and I know it's it's it I'm not a designer. I'm having trouble thinking of what else you could do, but I'm sure it, like if it's that's your job, I'm sure you could think of something else to do. Like um I don't know. I I just feel like it, it's a it, it's a 3 to 4 hit combo over and over again. Um like maybe they have maybe the like they could have had like something more elaborate like you stick someone on a fish hook right on a meat hook and you think they're dead you go somewhere else in the level and you discover a switch that takes the fish hook and flings them somewhere else maybe it opens up a new area you know little things like that um but but yeah i i felt like i ran out of things to do um i didn't like the the more the more points you score, the more you unlock. So like you have to score like a million. And this, I'm pulling numbers out of my ass. Uh, ooh. But like I have, I have to score five hundred thousand points to unlock the bloodbath challenge. I have to score a million points to unlock the boss. Right. So mm-hmm. sometimes what it devolves into is I can kind of get away with staying in this one area and beating the living daylights out of all these enemies that are infinitely spawning at me, and that's all I have to do. I don't necessarily have to explore the level. I don't necessarily have to change up what I'm doing. I don't have to, you know, discover new enemies, although sometimes they throw them at you. I just have to sit here and wail on them. Now, I chose to not do that. And you should choose to not do that. Mm, but yeah. it, be- it becomes easy to fall into that trap. Um, and, and, you know, it's kind of like the whole Strider Infinite Continues thing. Well, you shouldn't use Continues if you think it, if you think it makes the game easy. I say, well, this is not like that, actually, because I say that it's they give you infinite continues because the game is so hard. In this case, it's just it's the, it's the way that the game is designed at its core, and it could kind of break you. It, it might make you bored of it when like you don't know how much is out there. Because sometimes they throw so many enemies at you that you just think that you're supposed to beat them all. And then you don't have necessarily... like the, There's that Franken... Not the Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. The, the stage where you, um, where you eventually fight Frankenstein, or Frank, mm-hmm. they, Frank, uh, it's in the castle with the big like spinning blade in the middle. That's the first time you see the drilling guy, right? Yeah. Um, I did not know that there was a whole second floor to that level because they kept on throwing zombies at me and they kept on throwing the drilling guy at me on the bottom floor. And I just stayed there and I just tried to beat it. And I eventually got the Frank at which point he killed me. Then I came back from work and I was fucking around and I was just running from these enemies because I was getting I was getting bored of it. Right, and then, yeah, and, and then I, I and then I saw some boxes and I jumped. I'm like, oh my god, there's this whole second floor. They should have put an objective there and told me about it so that I would have known to go up there and not have been bored enough to go there in the first place. You know, sure. I think games should motivate you to go to places not through boredom. It, it like, but games shouldn't get boring. And, no, they should. And Mad World gets boring, got boring for me after certain amounts of time on certain stages, which is a real shame because I really did enjoy the rest of it um, when it wasn't boring. And, and, and don't be scared off for anybody who's listening. That's like a good 80% of the game is great, but then 20% of it can get monotonous. Um, 
and part of the reason why that gets alleviated is because it's it like crisis it's so satisfying to do shit in that game there's so much weight behind whenever you swing your chainsaw or 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 you know execute somebody with a finishing move there's a lot of weight behind it and part of that is the motion controls i'll say it right now motion controls aren't the best for everything but in this game they work and so if it was like oh this would have been a better game on xbox 360 uh, no it wouldn't have been this would have been a better game on ps3 no it wouldn't have been well now the connect and move are out maybe it will be like if they put them if they put mad world out on connect i would I would try the shit out of that game on Connect. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, it would, would it have to be on Rails? How would you move? I, I, I would say that they'd probably have to do a combination of controller and movement. Oh yeah. Like, okay. like I was saying, like I was saying two weeks ago on the podcast, I don't think you were here for this question, but Zaps actually tweeted a question of what game would make you buy Connect. And I was like, I'm not gonna buy one until they find a better way to integrate traditional controls and movement. Um, yeah. they did that great. Um if they put a high def version of Mad World on PS3 and had it on move, I would get that. Because you know what? Swinging your arms like that, like when you're when when you have like all these enemies on top of you, and then like the the roar of the chainsaw and just the the kind of energy you expend just swinging your arm. And again, I'm pantomiming as if people can see me. Great radio. Nice. Um, it's just like it gives you that oh face. Like if anybody listens to the Giant Bombcast and heard Ryan Davis talking about stabbing dudes in Assassin's Creed, going uh uh uh. Uh, <laughs> same kind of sensation. Oh, uh, like chainsaw them like right in the middle of the gut. You know, you, you don't. You simply do not get that with a controller. Period. That nope. does not mean that I think that Twilight Princess is better without a button because that's a different type of game. But in Mad World, it works. Um, other notes: uh, Power Struggle seems annoying. Power Struggle is where you have to shake the Wiimote and Nunchuck to basically win a. It, it's it's oh, the, yeah. it's the motion control version of button mashing to win a to win like a like a fireball battle in Dragon Ball. Um, that seems annoying at first, but like when you get into it, like not only do you get like a mini workout, but it's like I gotta beat this motherfucker at this power struggle, and then when you finally win it, you're like yeah, and you don't have to do something else. So if you stay happy too long, you might miss it. Um, <laughs> I thought the driving levels were really, really stupid. I saw no reason for them to be in the game. Um, because, like the second driving level, there are only two, right? I believe so. So the second driving level, because of the whole oh, score X amount of points to unlock Y, made it like oh, I'm driving around the same track in a loop over and over and over and over again until I kill enough enemies. Meh. <sighs> I'm, I wasn't too cool with that. And I didn't like the end of that level where you had to beat the guy in the bike. Um, just because like driving levels in an action game like that, the, the controls, controls for driving games are controls for driving games. And when you try to put that into like an arena style game, like I just, I was never too into that. That's why I never really got into ve- vehicular combat, like, like Twisted Metal, you know? Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to that either. Yeah. For me personally, either I'm driving or I'm, killing and shooting dudes not and both not 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 both in a confrontational thing like if i'm doing it in burnout where like you, you crash them into the wall great uh, mm-hmm. if you're running over dudes in crisis great but if if you're asking me to like stand off with someone in crisis no like, in a vehicle i, I ne- right right i never did a vehicle combat thing in crisis where i just stood there and was like yo let's go toe to toe so let's go tire to tire i'm gonna shoot you and make your car explode no, I would shoot you from behind and then just drive past you because I don't want to deal with it. And, mm-hmm. and Crisis is great because it lets you do that. <laughs> anyway, um, let's see. Any more notes? Yeah, that, that's that's about it for Mad World. Um, 
I think out of the three games that I beat recently, obviously the crisis takes top crown, no question about it. But Mad World, I was really happy that they came out with this game. I'm happy that I bought it. I'm happy that I beat it. Uh, it took me my game time actually was three hours and fifty two minutes. Mm, mine was three fifty seven, which is really short. However, that didn't factor in the amount of time that I died on the bosses and had to start over again, um, or that I like. There is there were one or two instances when I first played the game, uh, like a year ago, where I ran out of time because I was spending time like figuring out if there was anything more than tire, oil drum, lamppost, rosebush. So I mean, the game can take you maybe about eight hours to finish if you're if you're super awesome at video games. Okay, it's only going to take you four hours, and you maybe you shouldn't buy it. Um, but I kind of feel like that amount of game is perfect for this type of game. I think if it went on longer, it might get boring. And it would hurt your eyes. And it would hurt your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like Portal, where it's like, would you really want more of this in one contained package? Maybe give us a sequel, maybe give us a second episode, but it, it, yeah. it kind of works within the confines of itself, and that's all it needs to be. It's like the, the same discussion that we had with Tony when he was like, Portal's too short, therefore I don't like it that much. Right. Like, no, that's, you know, fine. I think Portal's fine. just right. Yeah, it's just right. If if you want more game, that's your prerogative. But I, I think that it worked within the confines of what it was trying to do. Um, right. Plants vs. Zombies, I unlocked all the achievements. Uh, so I got the last two that I didn't have was killing got two gargantuans, gargantuars with uh, the corncob missile. And get, uh, yes. And get 8,000 sun. Um, and I got those. So uh, unfortunately, I'm not done with that game because I lost my tree because I lost my saves. Thanks, Steam. Um, so I'm you hopelessly, know. hopelessly going to probably reach 300 hours in that game. And I hope I don't, but I will. Shit. You know, I, um, have it running right now, making money. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Dude, I should freaking do that. I, oh, oh, well, it's too late now. Um, yeah. I tried to, I, I went to survival endless and I was trying to get, when I was trying to get that achievement for corn cob, uh, for the corn cob missile thing, I was like, what if I just got rid of everything and turned my, turned my field into an array of corn cob missiles? That didn't last very long, but the sheer joy of just launching corncob nuke after corncob nuke was, like, giggly-worthy. <laughs> but I'm never doing it again because it's not a viable way to play. Like, there's too much micromanagement, and, like, the, the missiles don't respawn fast enough for you to actually keep up during a particularly intense wave with a lot of gargantuar, so not a... Mm -hmm. By the way, I should say about achievements in general, people are like, oh, they should add points to Steve achievements. Steve achievements. Steam achievements. Fine, if that's what tickles your fancy, great. But I actually prefer the Steam achievements because I don't care about points at all. Yeah, points don't mean shit. And I, I really like achievements because what they do is give me a list of challenges. And yeah. I feel like when you take points away, it's this is a, a conclusion that I'm jumping to on no basis whatsoever, just based on what I've seen. But like, you take points away from the equation and designers are less inclined to give you an achievement for beating a level. True. Why should I get an achievement for beating a level? Well, because you get points. Well, in Plants vs. Zombies, I get an achievement for beating the game, but I don't get an achievement for making it to Chapter 2. Right. I, get an, I get an achievement for doing specific things. Beat a nighttime level without mushrooms. Beat this level um, without using a lawnmower. Or, or what, what, what are some of the other ones? Um, uh, beat, I think, a water level without using any water creatures. Right. Okay, there you go. Stuff uh, like Water that. plants and creatures. Water plants, right, okay. So, but, but you know, stuff like that, um, it, 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 it gives you challenges to do. 
it doesn't just feel like, oh, you collected 50 rings in Sonic. Here's a five points. Great. Like, <laughs> all right. You know, who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like you were about to say something. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I, I was about to say when you mentioned achievements that I'm mad that uh, when they implemented the achievements, they didn't automatically give me one. Oh, uh, right, right. Yeah, they should have. The one about um, finishing all the mini games. I, I had I had to re-earn that one too. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's. Just... Oh wait, no, 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 not re-earn because that was an achievement before, right? Well, it's, it's the only they didn't have achievements before, didn't they? They they had achievements. They did. Yeah, the game of the year version just added more. Oh, then it might have been a new achievement. Uh, yes, I think it's. I think oh, it's... right, right, right. Yes, it was not an original achievement. I remember the old achievements. It was a new achievement, and I had already right. finished the mini games before. So there's the game. no way for you to do it. I have to make a new profile, I guess. Oh, right, right. See, see, I had to because it erased my save. Thanks, <clears throat> right. team. And apparently, mine is stuck in the cloud, so I upgraded my computer, and boom, it was like I never did anything. Oh. Eh. Either that or um, it's in my my documents. Um, but I think that this save is in I don't Steam. Think, I don't think it'll work because I tried... I tried recovering my save by looking by by downloading my old save file from my Gmail account on my laptop when it when it first happened and it it still didn't because oh, once the, the cloud date is more recent than yeah the date on your email I, I think once you or maybe maybe if if I change the file and change it back and and do it like on a later date but I don't know like uh, if I may be wrong but I feel like once you say I would like to use the cloud not my local save that's it that's it like you can't change it and maybe you can but i don't know how of how so if anyone knows yeah, how please you can turn off the cloud feature on um in the steam menu and the options i'm not sure oh. but regardless um it's probably better that you had the opportunity to play from the beginning again because i'd kill the play from the beginning again knowing what right. i know right <laughs> i'll start a new profile yeah i don't want to because i got this profile that has all these miracles and stuff $54,000. How do you think I feel? It got rid of my profile. Yeah, I know. Um, but see, the thing is, all right, it got rid of your profile. Oh, well, you, still you still have yours. You still have yours. I still have mine. Like, the only thing I could do is like delete my profile, which I would never do. So uh, unless I do some iNinja type shit, which I still fucking hate the fact that I did that. Oh. And just for anyone who doesn't know or doesn't remember, I played iNinja. I was really tired. Uh-oh. I went to start a new game inadvertently and went to back out of it. And it said uh, something like, do you, it, it was a terrible back out option. And it, I forget what it asked me, but it was the reverse of what I wanted it to do. So when I pressed B oh. to say no, it erased my save file and started a new game. It probably said something like, do you want to keep this file or something like that? Um, right? Yeah, and something it like yes or no. Yeah, and normally it would be like, this file exists, do you want to overwrite it? Yes or no? Right. Because I started <laughs> a new game. I was like, oh, I'm tired. Let me just keep hitting A. And it was like, new game on this file. And then it asked me a yes or no question. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. And then it started a new game. I'm like, no! <laughs> You know what's funny? Like, I feel like I've played iNinja, but I don't own it in any way, shape, or form. And I don't think I've played it at your house. Maybe I downloaded a demo. Maybe. But, yeah. The, the two funny. things that I wanted to play that you had were iNinja and Metal Arms. Is it Metal Arms? The nah. thing where you're, the, where you're a robot? Uh, Chibi Robo. No, 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 no. It's an action game. Like a pure oh. action platformer game. I think you had it. 
Yeah, it was it was metal arms glitch in the system. You never had that? I rented it. Oh, you rented it. Okay, so. And I gave it right back because it made me sick. Oh, really? Yeah, it was just too fluid. Oh. So then so why do you have home. a great graphics card to make your machine more fluid? I, I play Half-Life in a, a 720p window, and I can actually play it. I know if I put it in 1080, I, I would just, like, pass out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Do you need to take uh, motion sickness pills on airplanes? No. I I, oh. I don't have this problem like if I play a game in a car in a backseat or even front seat now. But if I'm like looking down focusing on the game while I'm in a car. Yeah, I'll get that. I'll, 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 I'll get, get that. a little bit nauseous. But you know uh, what I think it is but though? On a half bus or train. What? But not on a bus or a train. Right. On a bus it happens to me. On a train, no, because it's going faster and smoother. I think what it is with Half Life at least is some people have commented that the viewing angle is different than most shooters. Right. And so that kind of fucks with your system. I kind of noticed that it was different, but it never bothered me, and I couldn't quite place my finger on it. And so when someone said, oh, the viewing angle is different, I'm like, oh, that's what it is. But Anyway, we're 90 minutes in, and we haven't even talked about questions or news. So let's take a break. Sure. And take a dump. <laughs> Itch. Totally different context. That's so wrong. <laughs> Let's go. Yo, tell me, do you want to ride tonight? Then tell me, do you want to die tonight? Uh, this is my city, my invite. Let's burn it up and watch the sky ignite. It won't hurt just to try it, right? Yeah, maybe you right, it might. Downtown where the crime is right, the time is right to bust this dynamite. Oh, you come to hard, you fall. So come harder, don't come at all. I leave you, so I leave you, all leave you in pieces three feet tall. Yeah. Let's go, we can have a ball. Yeah, baby, we can have it all. Starts going and the parts start flying and your heart starts going. Come with it, bitch. Come with it, bitch. Take your best shot and try to finish it. Don't blow it, cause I will kill you before you know it. Come with it, bitch. Come with it, bitch. Take your best shot and try to finish it. Don't blow it, cause I will kill you before you know it. When you gonna go, when you gonna turn, when you gonna break, when you gonna learn. We're back from our shit break. And so we're gonna talk about some news. And no, not news. We're gonna talk about Twitter and mailback questions. So. Which one should we start off with? Um, well, let's start the mailbag, because that's a quick hit answer. We should start off with the mailbag. It's a question from Mo, who, if you remember, was a guest on our PAX East podcast. Mo asks, I was about to give an excuse as to why I don't have a podcast question. The excuse was going to be that I've been so far removed from the gaming scene for a while that I really wouldn't know what to ask. Then it dawned on me, here's a question. For a once diehard gamer who can barely scratch together the time to play anything besides Angry Birds on my commute, what is the single title you would recommend for single-player run-through, and why? Treat this to your PC only, please. You want to answer that first? I uh, would recommend Assassin's Creed 2. I was going to say the same thing, you <laughs> fucking <laughs> asshole. I will shoot you in the face now with my hidden plate. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Uh. He says, "Why?" He asks you, "Why? Why would you? Why would you say Assassin's Creed Two? I think Assassin's yeah. Creed Two is. Please don't ask me why I'm talking like this. I just, I, this is I haven't. Okay. I won't. I'm talking to the audience. You would be talking to your car anyway. Mm-hmm. 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 So, um. Assassin's Creed 2 is a really great single-player game. It flows very well. Uh, there's a lot to do. And if you wanted to just go straight through it, you also could. 
and not feel like overburdened by the extra things, although you'll be drawn to them. Um, the controls are awesome. Dynamics are great. And I think it's just a, a lot of fun for even for people who don't really play games as much as they used to. And it's I got was, a cool story. Yeah. Uh, I, my, uh, my recommendation for that was simply be, was pretty much on, on par with yours, is that there's a whole lot of stuff to do. Um, I don't know how Mo feels about stabbing dudes in the face as opposed to shooting them or clicking on them with a uh, with with, plot, with pylons or whatever fuck StarCraft lingo you want to use. But, um, there, there's a there's just an inherent amount of satisfaction that comes from that game with the style of game that it is in terms of stealth and reward. Um, I feel like a lot of people are impatient with stealth games, um, and they really have to reward you. Um, and some people didn't really get that from Splinter Cell, which I, I got it from Splinter Cell, but some people don't. But this one, the, the, the kind of the, the visceral way in that, you know, you, you get that satisfaction from getting a jump on somebody is is very, very tangible. Um, since you took my fucking answer, you asshole. Um, I'm going to my notes. Let's see. <laughs> I was thinking about Plants vs. Zombies because, you know, it's what it is. It's like Angry Birds. Exactly. <laughs> Addictive. But at the same time, it's like Angry Birds, and it might not be meaty enough. And the other thing I thought was, why not StarCraft 2? That's kind of an obvious answer, though. Yeah, that is kind of an obvious answer. I was going to say Borderlands, but I think he has it. Oh. I was going to say Torchlight, but I heard that's only about seven to eight hours. And uh, But that would be good for a single-player run-through, because it's single-player only. It <laughs> is. That's true. Well, zing. Um... And then I was going to ask you what you thought about him going through Final Fantasy thirteen Because he loves the anime. Yeah, no. Not happening. He would get bored with that game in like an hour. Uh, or maybe two, because the first hour would probably be interesting due to its cinematic content. But he would probably get tired of playing that game real quick. I'm going to stop talking about that because my throat now hurts. Um, mm-hmm. So I settled on a game that I have not played. And that would be Fallout and its, and its expansion packs. Because all the podcasts I listen to, half the people are saying, oh, I'm still playing Fallout. I'm still playing Fallout. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I don't have Fallout 3 or New Vegas. I mean, I have played Fallout and Fallout 2 for a good like hour and came to the point of saying that I will never ever finish this game. Even though like you could spend 120-something hours in Fallout 2 and not finish. Yeah, and, and I think that's what makes it a perfect kind of single-player run-through game for him is that, like, if he doesn't have the time to go out and get all these different games and, and, and get involved in them, at least he has this one thing that he knows he can always go back to. Um, yeah. Well, I was trying to stick away from, like, longer games because I didn't think that he would have the time uh, or the patience to stick with a longer game for a longer time. Right, and that that's why Assassin's Creed 2 is my first answer, and then Fallout mm. 3 is kind of like my backup, in case your ass took it. Ah, uh, I did. Asshole. 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 Let's move on to the Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, but to sum up, so Assassin's Creed 2 and or Fallout 3. His was Assassin's Creed 2, so is mine. Uh, mine is Fallout 3. So, Twitter questions. Alright, so we've got three, two doctors, one of, one of whom who asked two questions. Um, going to ask the kind of the recommendation ones first because again those are quick hitters uh these first two come from dr fishy pants brian fishman the doctor who's gonna save your life 
I've had 1,800 Nintendo Space Bucks on my Wii for months now. Tell me what to use it on. Innovative new game or obscure VC classic? What is your answer? My answer is either one of the two. And if it was to be a WiiWare game, I would say pick a bit trip game. If it was Virtual Console, I'm not going to specify because I don't know what his tastes are, but three good NES games or two good Super Nintendo games will always be good for your pocket. I think he is being specific. Mm, he died. Obscure VC game? <laughs> no, just any, any, what, what you recommend. He, what, I think what he's saying is like obscure virtual console game or a classic. I mean, obscure game or a classic game. Either, either fits the bill is what he was saying. Oh, I thought he was saying, uh, like choose a, between one or the other. A WiiWare game or a VC game. Oh, oh, I see. Well, he has 1800 points. He could do both. Yeah, exactly. I was, that's why I said either get like one or I think you can only get one bit trip game, but. You can get three $5 Nintendo games or two $8 uh, Super Nintendo games. And whatever they are, they can be as obscure as you like. But I don't know what's obscure to you, and I haven't been, I haven't even visited the Wii Shop channel in such a long time that I don't even really know it's there anymore. So I will, I will say um, one thing you could buy is Castlevania Rondo of Blood, particularly for the whole, like... This is one of those games that did not come out in the States, and it's about time that people experience this. So if you like old school Castlevania, which meaning not the Castlevania that ripped off Metroid, but like action platforming, you know, whipping dudes in the face Castlevania and collecting uh, bonuses from candles, which Ninja Gaiden ripped off. Um, Rondo of Blood is a fantastic game. I personally think that Super Castlevania, which is Castlevania 4, is better, but I wouldn't. I would not fight anyone who said that Rondo of Blood was the best Castlevania out there. I wouldn't fight anyone who said that Symphony of Light was either, but you know that's another story. <clears throat> um, obscure. I have been listening to the Retronauts podcast, which is a one-up podcast, um, <clears throat> and they're talking about how Sunsoft is trying to bring games over to the virtual console, Sunsoft being revived by Victor Ireland, formerly of Game Arts, who brought you Lunar and Vey and all that other shit. <clears throat> Uh, and see, this <clears throat> is all coming from me talking like this. Uh, <laughs> the obscure game in question is a game called Euphoria. And I'm, I'm tempted to not recommend this because I have not played this. I'm just basing this solely on what I've been listening to and heard and seen video of. It is a Metroid-style game, you know, that type of maze adventure. Um, and I recommend it simply because I hear good things about it. And it's, it's something that you can't just go out to the store and I don't think you can just get a get an old cartridge i don't think it was ever released or at least if it was released it wasn't released in high quantity so it's it's a chance to experience something that maybe nobody ever has otherwise um mm -hmm. it's called euphoria the saga and it's spelled wait for it u f o u r i a not euphoria is an extreme happiness but the letter u the spelling of the, the number four, four. Yeah, and yeah. the word for in IA, so Euphoria the Saga. Um, and I don't know if it's a Wii Shop game or if it's a, it's, if it's a virtual console game. And I, I, there's a distinction there because if, it was, if it's a virtual console game, it, has to have been it probably has to have been released in cartridge form in some market. Whereas mm -hmm. if it's a WiiWare game, they might have just taken an old game that was never released and, and cleaned it up and made it available. So I don't, I don't know which one it is. There's a new Catalyst out. 
drivers. Um, and a WiiWare game that I'm sure that you probably have this already, but if you don't, I would say Lost Wins. Uh, it's it's kind of in the spirit of Kirby's Canvas Curse. I've talked about this before on the podcast, but you use your Wii remote to blow gusts of wind in certain directions to move your character across platforms and stuff, and you gain... It's it's kind of Metroid-y as well. You you gain uh, enhancements and abilities to your uh, to your repertoire to be able to you know uh, reach ledges and and, and g- blow gusts of wind wind that make you jump higher and stuff like that. It's it's got a, a really whimsical art style, some really nice Japanese influenced music like pan flute and all that stuff. Um, it's an aesthetic joy. Uh, and it's pretty good on the gameplay front. It's not super. It's not superb. Like it, 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 it comes with that Wii remote caveat of you have kind of have to get used to that. It's probably it probably would have played easier on a stylus, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but mm-hmm. so that's my th- that's my recommendations for him uh, for his eighteen hundred points. I don't think he could spend eighteen hundred points to get all those, but to choose from those three: Euphoria, Lost Winds, and Castlevania: Rondo of Blood. Um, have you thought of anything else that's specific, or should we move on to the second question? I'd say let's move on to the second question. Moving on. So his second question is, besides the obvious choices like Grand Theft Auto 3 or Super Mario Brothers, name three games that you would include in a class called History of Video Games 101. I'm going first. Sure. Uh, yeah, this is kind of a hard question to answer only because... Um. I didn't really, uh, I should say, I had a hard time figuring out what a history of video games class would entail. Would it entail, uh, like, a working history of games, games that were significant, games that, uh, you know, really meant something, or, like, the things that you should look out for, like caveats against, um, doing certain things or what uh, to do, what not to do in making games, you know, that kind of thing. I think, well, a history class is really touching upon what's significant in history. So by that virtue, I would say that everything you said applies, except there's not a focus on what you should do, what you should do, because that's a design class. But, right, exactly. But, but mm-hmm. it still has a, there's still a, a sidebar significance to that in a history class because you know you you learn from history right so you learn from your past mistakes so so that's why i say like like even though like what you should or shouldn't do shouldn't be the prime criteria for the games that at least i chose it still can be a factor because that's you know again it's part of why is this game significant well it's significant because it did this why is that game significant it's significant because it did this totally the wrong way and set a bad precedent and that's why you know so so i I, I guess the long and short of it is everything you just said, which helps you not at all. Actually, I've already answered the question. I'm just giving a little background on um, what I was thinking when I went to answer the question, and I actually went. Which means it doesn't help you fact- at all because you already answered the question, so I, I was no help. Actually, you were because you <laughs> essentially just described what what uh, approach I took to answer the question. Oh, I see. So uh, my first game is. E.T. for Atari 2600. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, is a very... It, it's it's a oh, historical oh. game. 
it was one of the first uh, major movie franchise tie-ins. It was I don't think it was tied in with the movie like it came out with the movie, but it was based on the movie and it was touted to you know it, it was tried they tried to sell it as a really awesome game and it turned out to be a piece of shit and it's like in a landfill right now and uh it's 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 a good history of video games game uh my second game which i'm gonna actually is my third one but chronologically it would be my second would be final fantasy uh because that's the story of a young developer's last stand their their last hope at becoming uh some it is kind their of last profile. story so to speak. it is their last story by Hironobu Sakaguchi, uh, which, you know, quite ironically is his Final Fantasy. Anyway, um, they're, they're, they're last game they were fighting. before they were to be shuttered because they didn't have any more money and it wound up being their biggest success uh, and is still like their flagship title to this day. It's gone a long way since 3D World Runner, I'll tell you that. Oh hell yeah, and Rad Racer. Lad Lacer. Lad Lad Lacer. Lidge Lacer. Uh my third game is uh Virtua Racing and or Virtual Fighter. Because they're both oh. kind of built on the same ideology of 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 taking uh concepts and bringing them into 3D. That's totally, and the Virtua games totally wow, totally went over my head. I should have thought about that. Very uh, sig- very significant historically. Yeah, I think that those games were were very a they were very significant historically and as well they were really well done games and games that provided people with a basis on which to evolve those two types of um arenas, 3D um racing and 3D fighting. Right. So uh those are my three. All right, let's see. Um the first one I have, I, I had Double Dragon 2 initially, and then I just realized that I had it on there just because I liked the game so damn much. So that doesn't really count. <laughs> See, um, I tried to steer away from the games like that, too. And then after you finish, I'm going to tell you some games that I thought of, and I'm like, wait a minute, I can't use that. Yeah. Uh, my first game is Ninja Gaiden. Uh, the reason mm. for that is because um, it, it, it's actually got a good combination of things. Uh, on the negative side, it's something that you should not do in terms of spawn designing. Um, it, it's it's a perfect story of frustrating gamers with poor design, specifically the spawn thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, not letting you know that there continues infinite continues mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but the, the the key reason why I chose it is because of what it did for storytelling in early games. Um, yes, with the cutscenes and you know the way that the game opens up. I don't. I could be completely wrong here, but in my, from my youth, I don't remember many, if any, games that did that. You I don't remember Cap- any games. I think that was the first game. <clears throat> Maybe yeah, the first right. big game. You had Castlevania, um, where he walks up to the gate and he walks in, and that's it. Um, yeah. You have games like, and and to be clear, we're talking about fast-paced action games. Obviously, Dragon Quest. I'm sorry, Dragon War- Dragon Warrior. We had Dragon Warrior. We had Final Fantasy, but I'm talking about like injecting storytelling into a game where it's otherwise more difficult to inject it in. And so this started the trends of cut started the trend of cutscenes, I guess, if if, if, yeah. if if we're correct about that. Which 
for better or for worse, it is now prevalent in games. You know, from you ask me, I'm like, well, I cutscenes are. Eh. Um, Can I interject for a moment? No, sure. I would like to say that Tecmo, in general, emphasized cutscenes in their gameplay. Tecmo football. Tecmo bowl. Tecmo world wrestling. Tecmo Super basketball. Bad. Yeah. All of those games, in, in, whenever they highlighted a specific thing, like a dunk or a touchdown, to or dramatize a moment. To dramatize the moment, they always used a cutscene, and it went straight into Ninja Gaiden, but it drove Ninja Gaiden. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that is hugely significant. Um, and the the next game that I have is, and this might fall prey to the, I include it because I like it so much, but uh, I put Radiant Silver Gun on there to, mm. as partially as an excuse to highlight treasure as a developer. Um, partially to talk about the like because i think it's a perfect game to describe that and panzer dragoon saga would be two perfect games to kind of talk about the fervor over games that have limited releases and just the question of why do publishers and why do publishers do this why why do why have some publishers historically um release games that, that are fantastic in such limited quantities um and that could spiral into a discussion about like the demands of the market, the economy of the market uh, for for games out there. Because Radiant Silvergun, while while we see it now, is like, oh my god, this, this game is awesome. There might have been shooter fatigue. You got Mars Matrix. You've got like Radiant Silvergun. Got what? Which which one? Gigawing. Gigawing. You've got uh, um, all the greatest games from from the past. You've got a whole mm-hmm. slew of of Turbo Graphic shooters that probably tired the whole shit out by the time the Saturn came around. Um, I also think it's it, it's a technological it's a thing to highlight from a technological standpoint of what um, of what 2D and 3D can do combined uh, in at least on on what was supposedly weaker hardware on the Saturn not weaker specs wise but just it wasn't from from everything I read the Saturn was technically a very powerful machine but it wasn't built to do 3D right and it did it fantastically in Radiant Silver Gun. Um, but just I, I just think as an example of a game where everything kind of comes together in in a kind of perfect for that genre. Um, did you want to say something about that? I, th- I thought you were going to say something. Mm, no. Um, the last one that I'm going to, that I would put in there, and and be, to be clear, these are I don't know what the spirit of his question was, but to me, this was three games that I would choose, not the only three games. So these are right. just ones that I'm choosing to highlight. Um, I would put an Unreal Tournament for the PC, mm. the, the original one, specifically um, for two reasons. One, for how it kind of, I could, and maybe I'm blowing smoke up, up someone's ass, but to me, oh. I, I, to me, I feel like it, revel, it, it I don't want to say single-handedly, um, because Quake 3 is out there, but I feel that like it comes close to single-handedly kind of blowing the gates open on multiplayer arena-based combat, uh, taking it to a whole new level of here's a game that's purely multiplayer, uh, single-player components with bots, yes, but purely multiplayer with several different modes built in. Um, it's fast. It's, it's furious. Um <laughs> It you know assault domination team deathmatch t- capture the flag regular deathmatch all that stuff that's put in there, um, 
in, in, in comparison with Quake 3, which when it came out was all just deathmatch. And the biggest thing about Quake 3 to me was how awesome it looked at the time. But the rest of the game was like, I'd actually rather play Quake 2 or, or the original Quake if you want to make me play a video game. And if you're going to make me play a multiplayer game, I would rather play Unreal Tournament. And actually, no, I would rather play Unreal Tournament as a video game as well. So like when people were like, oh, yeah, Quake Live is out. I was like, I do want to try this. And then I played Quake 3 on off of Steam. And I was like, you know what? I don't really like this game that much. Like it, it, it's very, it's very single laser, single focused on one thing. And, and Unreal Tournament, really, I feel, at least if it, even if it wasn't the first game to do this, because I'm sure there are other like smaller shooters that maybe I haven't heard of that that maybe put a, a lot of different modes. This is the one that really blew it out in the open. Um, and I think I think it's all, definitely the most popular one. Uh, and that's another thing that I think it's signor signorifly historically nice. significant for is the fact that up until then, it was pretty much the cream of the crop. They were the ones who were cranking out the games that everyone was talking about, even if not necessarily buying. And Unreal Tournament was just, you know, Unreal came, I don't know how well Unreal did, but everything that I read and heard was about id's games, and I only saw Unreal in a store. I looked at the back of the box, then I went back and I looked it up and read about it, and then I went back to the store and bought it. So I don't, I feel like, and I could be wrong again, I say this so many times, but I, I feel like it wasn't really in kind of the public mind share and mm. Un Unreal Tournament kind of put Epic on the map. That's what I was about to say. I'm like, I believe that Epic was just a small company and made these games that came packaged with sound cards until Unreal Tournament came out. <laughs> like, and now, now all of a sudden, like the Unreal Engine is like God right. and everybody uses it. Um, which, which is pretty funny because the first Unreal Engine um, was so misused by the games that it like, like yeah. Deus, Deus Ex is a fantastic game, but visually and physics wise, it is horrendous. <laughs> and it's because they fucked up with the Unreal Engine somehow. I don't know. Um, what was, yeah, what was uh, Daik Daikatana was on a modified Quake Engine, right? I believe so, because it was Romero. He probably used Quake Engine, not Unreal. Right. But do human use Unreal? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, Dennis Dyack. So what were some of the games that you were think that were going through your head that you're like, you know what, I can't use this? Mortal Kombat 2, uh, <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. I, I, yeah, because I feel like Mortal Kombat was probably an obvious choice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's the reason why I didn't use them. Um, shoot. You know, a game that I would have chosen that I did not choose that I'm just thinking about right now would have been Metal Gear. The and original Metal solid, Gear? But Metal Gear, yeah. Okay. Metal Gear. Um, this is a sneaking mission. There is, of course, there's Resident Evil. There's, um, I was going to say Final Fantasy VII, and then I reverted back to Final Fantasy because Final Fantasy is actually more significant right. historically, and Final Fantasy VII is more of an obvious choice. You know what? Actually, that's a, that's a funny thing you say. that. I, I, I feel that, yes, it's an obvious choice, but I do feel that VII is more historically significant from a populist standpoint of... RPGs were 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 very. It blew the door open for RPGs. Whereas it Final, whereas yeah, whereas Final Fantasy was still very significant. I did it again. Significant historically, but it wasn't as 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 popular. So on the on the scale of of what's more significant, at the very least, I think they're even. Well, yeah. Well, the reason why I said Final Fantasy is more significant is because Final Fantasy brought the D and D esque. RPG to video games in a, a much more like uh, no because of course there were D and D ish 
games that were video games, and there was there was also Ultima. But Final Fantasy put it in a way that was more like a playable, less technical, but more of an it, it was easier to swallow than D and D. Do you th- do you think that it does that? I mean, I think it do- it definitely does it more so. But do you think that it does more so enough to to have that be more historically significant than Dragon Warrior? Because I felt like Dragon Warrior, while it wasn't as accessible or intuitive or, or easy, was the one that did that. And then Final Fantasy said, "Shit, we gotta." Because I, I and and I might remembering I might be remembering terribly, but I thought I read somewhere that Sakaguchi. And, and company were like, we need to make a game. We need to take some. We, we need to tell an epic tale like Dragon Warrior. And so they basically took the Dragon Warrior idea and made it their own instead of taking the D and D idea. I'm not saying that they didn't take influences, but what I'm saying is that Dragon Warrior did it first. Oh, yeah, they that's did. the way I feel about it. But I could be, you know, I might I might be wrong with my timeline too. So, well, what I would say is, well, certainly Dragon Quest did it first. But the problem is that. It, it, I should, if call, you think it, about, I should it, call it Quest. You're right. I should call it Quest because it came out in Japan first. So. Right. And that's the thing. It came out in Japan, like, I think a while before it came out in America. But then again, history of video games should probably be global. And I was thinking about it purely as, like, uh, an impact on America type thing. So that's why I had said Final Fantasy was more, um, but, yeah. more historic. But if you think about it in a global sense, then Final Fantasy VII would probably be a, a much more historical impact than Final Fantasy in, in the world of video games. But the, the well, well, two things from that. The other thing is, the first, didn't Dragon Warrior also come out in the U.S. first anyways? Even, like, didn't it come out in both territories first? Um, yeah, but I think, I don't really know, but I, I think that the only reason why Dragon Warrior actually was something that I mean, Gra- Dragon Warrior is probably historic for this reason, but I think the only reason why people paid attention to it was because it was free with Nintendo Pop. Oh, that's why. Okay. But um, you had to actually buy Final Fantasy, and people actually bought Final Fantasy. So. Did they? I, I, some, somehow I don't remember it doing too well. It did my well memory is, is flogging for that. Yeah, the thing is, I think it, well, it did well, well enough for Square to succeed and make, well, I don't think it did well enough for In them the to States, make another one. For, I mean. Yeah, and I don't think it did well enough for them to make another one based on two or three. Right in the states, that's what I was saying. Like in Japan, yeah, but that like it goes back to my point of Dragon Warrior came out, Dragon Quest came out first, and did gangbusters there, absolutely yeah. gangbusters. Every single Dragon Quest. That's that's why I like Dragon Quest. It, it you have to clear out your schedule for Dragon Quest. If right. if your game is coming out the same with Dragon Quest, you're fucked. And that's why <laughs> that was that kind of takes a crown over Final Fantasy. But Final Fantasy is for its own reasons. Um, and and the other thing about seven is that like even on a even not even not on a global scale but just on a on a local scale like again it, it was one of those things where well Final Fantasy may have been part of what brought RPGs to a more accessible level but people in America still weren't really playing over them but then Final Fantasy seven comes out and it 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 basically dub I think it doubles the impact of what the original one did it because people who didn't even know anything about that th- there were people who bought the game and returned it because they didn't realize how much that they had to read specifically because of what that game did for presentation in rpgs and then you had all these other games come and it, it sold that sold so gangbusters that you had crave coming out with shadow madness you had like uh what was that game about phil gaia um the, the fucking um legend of gaia legend of gaia and you know, Phil Gaia was in Wild Arms, I think. Wild Arms, Legend of Gaia, all that, all that shit. Yeah, PlayStation was the RPG station. No Face Saga, which is Grand Stream Saga. You know, all those games that basically propelled a console 
into like from from like we got to take down the Nintendo to we totally demolished Nintendo. Um, but of course, not included because it's a way obvious choice. Mm-hmm. And he um, was Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball. Cloud. Oh yeah. His hair. Sort of. Uh, but not like you know every character from. Uh, but that goes without saying. Every character from Dragon Quest looks like a Dragon Ball character because they're done by the same <laughs> artist. But that's that's that goes without saying. Um, I, I'm I'm done with that though. Let's move on because oh. like we're running on two hours and uh. Ten minutes. Nights in the nightmare. Let's see. Uh, okay, all these. Close, close, close. Okay. So, uh, the last question that we had before we go on to uh, another topic that was spurred on by another Twitter user that I follow uh, is, who do you think is to blame for all these studio closures? And let me read it. This is from Doc Brown from the website GamingTheMedia.com, who also has they also have their own podcast called Gaming the Media. Um, if I may take another moment to pivot, like I always do, again, it's more about the gaming media and not so much about gaming publishers and developers and all that stuff, which I think is a good angle. Not too many people do that. Discussion topic, studio closures. Who's to blame? Who's to blame for all the recent closures? Publishers, developers, crowded industry, etc. My name is Martin Glick. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm answering first, of course. Uh, do you want? I can answer. Yeah, I, I can. Um, you can, because you believe it. I think that they're all kind of to blame, and I kind of teared it out like this. I tear it kind up, of, son. Tear it up, son. <laughs> Body that. Body that. That's, that's a mad word song. Um, tear it up. You all right there? You just tore something. Tear it up. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Tear it up. Um, Tear that shit up! Oh shit! The real uh, shit I wrote in '94. All right, we gotta finish this. Uh, I first put a blame on the publishers because they're well. It's not really a blame. I'm just saying, like the first line of or the first people that you should look at when it comes to these studio closures are the the publishers because they are paying primary attention to their bottom line and their return on investments. And most of the time, when they're dropping these companies. They're follow. Stop it! They're following. Uh, I was actually tearing up something to throw away. <laughs> and I decided they're following away. conference calls in which they describe the reason why they're closing. Like Viacom dropped Harmonix because they're not pulling in their money anymore. Uh, and I think that they went on to like go after the money that they were giving, like the advances that they were giving Harmonix based on uh, like merit bonuses. If they sold a certain amount, such as such, such, they would get a well. They got a bonus in advance based on units that they would sell. But now they haven't sold, so they want that money back. Right. Uh, um, I think Activision had in their conference call announced that they were shuttering, well, they were closing Bizarre Creations. Uh, I just read something when I was just kind of doing a, a general Google search. I said I googled game developer shuttered. And I found out that THQ announced in one of their conference calls that they were shuttering big, huge games, which uh, I didn't put a notice to what they made, but they made some game that people know about. And big, huge games was the the rise, I, I believe. Yes, Rise of Nations, guys. That's what it was. Or is it yeah, it's card games? No, it's Rise of Nations. Yeah, it's just that's a shame, and and I, I I feel like I heard about that. I feel like I heard about that a while ago, but well, it's like, old. I think. Oh, it is old. Okay, so I'm not crazy. Yeah, okay, I just make sure. Mm-hmm. I just kind of Google searched and I looked at certain things, and that one caught my eye. Um, 
And then after looking at the publishers and, and you know, they're, they're just doing their job. You know, it's all about numbers and money to the publisher because, it, you know, making games doesn't matter unless it sells. Um, the next people I look at are the developers, the actual studios themselves. And, you know, a lot of them are making unappealing games and ideas. Uh, you know, I don't know why I put this up, but I put up caveat with Nier. And <laughs> <laughs> I think that Nier was very unappealing. And uh, Chrome in Game Room, Game Room was very unappealing. But not you just from don't a, like transgenders. <laughs> but not from a game standpoint, referring to Game Room, but just in terms of how they were getting that content to the users. It was just like, okay, you got to go. And it, basically, they were trying to imitate an arcade facility in the home. And home gamers are not really keen on doing that anymore. Not going to go over to somebody else's. Uh, arcade system and then spend currency to play their games for a certain amount of time. It's just not happening. Not at home. I'll do that if I go to an arcade in real life. I might go and spend five bucks on a game. I used to not be able to go play. Uh, you know, go to an arcade without spending twenty, forty bucks. I actually. But- just mm-hmm. real quick to interject about the game room because I've been watching a lot of uh, stuff and I actually have my own thing to say about game room later. Okay. But like, I actually like that idea. Like, I've always thought it was it was a cheeky kind of cool, cute idea to have arcade machines in your house. And like, again, for the games that were worth it to pay like three to five bucks or whatever. Like, I'm not that market, but I could see it being appealing. I think the problem was um, the games that they chose, and then the delivery system was like you download a game pack, but you. Like, a game pack will have, like, let's say, 10 games, right? Mm-hmm. But every week, three games, four games are released. So you buy the game pack, but you can't unlock the content inside. Oh, until damn. It's, until it's ready for release or something Yeah, that's like, fucked up. Something like that. It was just weird. So when you said uh, the way that the games are delivered, I thought you were going to talk about that. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't even know about that. Um, it's, it's just fucked. And then they, yeah, have, they was... have Jesus poses everywhere because it's broken. <laughs> Uh, but what I was really referring to was the uh, the idea of the you know paper play in a home environment. Oh, it oh. doesn't stick with me. Yeah, that goes that goes away if you just have to actually buy the game. Right, and then the games are too expensive for their own good anyway. I, I can understand if they were worth it, but they a lot of the games weren't worth the money they were charging. You mean you wouldn't want to play three to five dollars for Atari Golf? No. <laughs> no. Now the arcade uh, version of Jackal maybe. Yeah, the arcade version of Jackal, I probably would because this is one of the last games that came out actually, and it looks awesome. Like I only played the NES version, but the arcade version looks mm-hmm. like a lot of fun. Yeah, and and even though Rob would laugh his ass off at me for playing Jackal because he hates that game, uh, <laughs> I would so do it. Just I would do it and bring it to his house and be like, "Look what I got, man, Jackal!" And then he'd just make jokes about me because I used to play that game like religiously on Nintendo. I used to always try and get finish. A, I can never finish the game. I always get to the last boss and die. But I think I blame that on the fact that I never had anybody who was really good to play with. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Uh, and my final comment is that I believe the industry is crowded because you look at the sheer amount of games that come out every year. Mm-hmm. And that industry being crowded is exacerbated by the fact that the consumer dollar is being held ever so tightly. Yep. It will be it, the, the, the grip will let go for games like Madden and Call of Duty. Because they're that tried and true, reliable, oh, a lot of those people, that's the only game they're going to buy this year. 
Call you're taking Duty. all the comments out of my mouth. Damn it. <laughs> Call of Duty or Madden, but then you get games like, you know, Mad World that are worth the money, but people won't buy it because it's not, it's, it's untested. There, there's a lot less, these, these days, there's a lot, uh, the, the inclination to explore is lessened. Whereas back earlier in the days when, you know, in, where was the, where was I reading this? Oh, I read an article on one up about <laughs> games anymore. Is that, is that something you were going to say too? No, no, you, you went, oh, so I went, Oh, okay. I thought I took something else. Um, yeah, I read an article on one up about why people don't finish games. And they were talking about things that are different now based on how they were 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And there were some really cool points other than the obvious of I got older, I have responsibilities, I don't have time to play games. But back in, in the early days of games, you used to buy like three or four games a year if you were lucky or your family would get you maybe three to four games a year and you would hold that was what you had that was what you had and that was what you played and you were really good at them shits and then like maybe if you were renting games like when i used to rent games i was like eight nine years old and my parents would get so upset that i finished the game like the first night i got it no no no. (laughs) they would get they would get mad that i bought the game that they bought me a game for fifty dollars and i would finish it the first night i got it and i'd be tired of it by then so then I started trying to find games that would like take more of my time. And then, the, you know, Double Dragon 2 was just like the game that I would play over and over and over again, even though I beat it. And I even broke an NES Advantage controller because I was so frustrated and I banged the controller and broke oh, no. the buttons into the thing. I broke the circuit board. Uh, you know, that kind of game and like River City Ransom, those games that are just like constantly challenging you to get through it without taking damage and things like that. Those are games that I kind of like thrived on. But nowadays it's like, I like games like that still, but I can't really play them like I used to. So I'm kind of looking for the way to get through them as quickly as possible. I'm not trying to perfect anything anymore. And, and sometimes if you can't get through them, you just don't finish them. Right. And now I'm at the point where, uh, you know, because games, you know, the industry is crowded, people are doing things like releasing games in limited quantities or releasing games and they're in a, a great quantity, but then three months later they stop shipping the game and you can't find it anymore by the time you actually have the money. It, I'm starting to say to myself, okay, there's going to be some games that I can't play and I will never get to play because I will never be able to have them and I have to live with that. When, you know, at, at one point in time, I was like, oh, I got to have this game, even though I might not get to it for the next three years, I will get to it because I know that three years from now, I won't even be able to find this game. Right. Now I'm kind of, you know, holding the dollar a little more tightly and saying, I'm just going to have to go without this game. So I'm done. Yeah, I, a lot of my comments are, are, are similar to yours. Um, real quick, the comment I had about uh, uh, Chrome is I blame Giant Bomb for Chrome Studios closing <laughs> because their quick looks of the game room every week are so ridiculous. Like they sit there and they, they like they, it started off like fine when when decent games were coming out, and then like all these Atari and Intellivision and Colic. Uh, I don't think Colicavision was part of the package. It I don't know. All these Atari and Intellivision terrible games started coming out, and they're just like it'd be like Ryan, it is time, Jeff. I fucking hate you for another game room. Fucking hate you, Jeff. 
Why, why do we do this? Because the people need to know. And then they'd start playing like some space game that just has like a reticle on the screen. And oh, splash. Or, star, or, uh, star Raiders. Or they'd play like, like in television golf or something, which is like <laughs> really, really terrible. Like your swing is like, you control your putter with with like the the D pad or something, and it could mm-hmm. like you have to bring the putter you have to bring the putter down on the ball. You don't have any meters or anything that like you literally hit the ball like with the D pad or something stupid like that. Mm-hmm. And the ball is going everywhere. And these are terrible games, and they just sit there and laugh at them. But uh, do you know if they have like any of the real sports games like real sports baseball, real sports? Baseball? I don't know. Oh, man. All, all I know is that they had all it, it went from like arcane games like Yi Ar Kung Fu to, to descending into this crap. And mm. then like um they had this like Atari seventy eight hundred or Commodore game, like where, where they were like robots fighting in space and like this 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 lady robot fu- shot missiles out of her titties and th- th- like titty missiles and it was just like poor control. It was just these terrible games and they're like, Why am I playing this? And mm-hmm. like it, it became a running joke, kind of like Sean Baby's columns about how uh, these bad games that he would play, or Angry Video Game Nerd, or Angry Video Game Nerd. And it was just <laughs> at that point, it's like, wow, there. This is like I look forward to quick looks to generally see what a game is like. I look forward to the quick looks of Game Room to see comedy. It's mm. like that, it got that bad, and like I'm sure Microsoft and Chrome were none too happy about the way they treated that. And I'm I'm joking when I say that. Like Giant Bomb is responsible for Chrome closing. Oh yeah, yeah, it's indicative of the product that they're putting out. Now, I don't think that that's the case for for most of the closures. I think I put it squarely on the economy and saturation, and and like you said, everyone is to blame. But I think the root of it is in the economy and saturation. Uh, huh? I said ah. Uh. Oh, I thought you said um. Like you're gonna <clears throat> like the publishers release studios because they're not making money because of the saturation in the economy studios or publishers stop making money because because people don't want to buy their games and you know you you, you brought out the very good point of call of duty and madden and and th- this is a question that we talked about a long time ago at least not a question but this answer that i'm about to give wow you know like we were talking about wow like back when tony and ethan were on the podcast going like like does that take like because you were the wow expert at that point like does it take mm-hmm. you away from playing a lot of your other games and i think your answer at that point was like a lot of the time yeah like it yeah. was like all you would talk about was wow and it's like what about all these other games that are coming out do you have time to play them and you're like i haven't even bought those games because i can't i didn't even know what they were this is back right. when you were talking about mass effect and um and uh what, what oh uh, no not that's creed What's the other game that was coming out with Mass Effect? And you're like, you know, these are games I'm really interested in. Bioshock. Bioshock, was Bioshock. Bioshock. yes. Yeah. Bioshock and Mass Effect. I had no idea what the fuck those games were. And, and, and Mass Effect is not one of my favorite games. And then you get you get to Guitar Hero, you know, coming out with six iterations. And and, and I, I, I actually, like, as much as I want to champion Rock Band 3, like, it, that's part of it. But at the same time, I'd say that Rock Band 3 would be more successful if it weren't for the fact that Guitar Hero saturated the market with that. Besides yeah. that, let's look at look at Neversoft, who is being, like, shuttle, shuttled off into just making Guitar Hero after Guitar Hero when they used to be Tony Hawk. They gave Tony Hawk to what's it called? Um, I forgot what the studio was called, the one that did the, the, the stupid peripheral one. Um, but they closed because that game was piss poor and they're like because they were forced to come up with some janky way of innovating on a franchise that had come out with how many games up to that point eight nine tony hawk games 
I think that that's, that's ridiculous because they're, they're, they have an eleven game contract. Don't they have like a twenty three? I think that Shred, I thought they had like a twenty three game contract. No, I think it's eleven, and I think that Shred is the eleventh game. I, I heard some an, like abominable number, like twenties. But either way, that's a lot of games. Yeah, it's a lot of games to go on a contract in what two thousand and one. <laughs> that's that's when they made the contract to make that many games. Right, and it's, now like Tony Hawk is just locked. He's, he's got the illest face palm because every single game that comes out is now worse than the last. It's it, just run out of ideas. Yeah, and it's like because you know they started selling so, and, and and like part of it is just the you know is the consumers. You know they 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 buy all these things because you know you, like your Madden syndrome. Everything's the same. Mm-hmm. Like people are going to buy them. And then they eventually get run into the ground. And the only reason why Madden hasn't been run into the ground is because it's based on a sport that renews itself every year. And at this point, it's the only football game in town. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's brutal out there. The economy, the consumers, what their habits are. And, um, let me see if I, if I have any other examples up here in my notes. But, uh, uh, can I just make a mention? Yeah, quick? go ahead. Go ahead. I read an article in Kotaku this morning about, um, the music industry, and not music industry, the music game industry, or should I say the music game genre, and that uh, basically Luke Plunkett was saying that it's officially dead. Um, he was reading uh, some sales charts and a comparison between when Rock Band first came out, I think, or maybe even, yeah, I think when Rock Band and I think Guitar Hero 3, when those games first came out, compared to the sales now, like 2008 versus 2009 versus 2010, and uh-huh. it basically, like, some of the reason why the, the chart is so drastically, I mean, it's drastic. The, the bar on 2008 is, like, all the way near the top. And then a bar in 2009 is, like, less than half. And a bar in 2010 is, like, less than an eighth of sales. And you would think, well, one reason is because the first year when Rock Band came out, everybody had to buy the, the bundle, buy the package, get the, all the instruments and all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Rock Band 2 comes out. And of course, you already have the instruments, so you just buy the game. Sure, that's one reason why the revenue is not so high. But another reason is just that with the saturation and everything like that, people are less inclined to buy these games. Right. And then you go into 2010, and Rock Band 3 comes out a year, I think, is, is it a year after Rock Band 2? Um, Did Rock Band 2 come out this time? I, I, th- I feel like it's two years because the last big uh, Rock Band release was Beatles. Right, right, right. So and it was Green two Day. years. And then those were like six to eight months apart. Yeah, it's it's funny because I saw a Facebook comment on um, the guy who runs Rock Gamer Studios, Miguel. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Facebook comment like he wrote. He was like, he was like, well, Rock Band Three is like 14th or whatever in the charts, and he's like, if a good game you know s- releases to nobody who's buying it, will will it make a sound? And there were comments on like, yeah, like. Um, one one person was just like casual gamers don't understand how us hardcore gamers feel about this type of stuff. Like it should be selling better than it is. And I'm just like I'm a hardcore gamer. I don't want Rock Band Three right now. I have too much plastic in my house. Yeah, they, they have been saturating the market. It's not all Harmonix's fault, but they're part of the genre that has been saturating in the market. And as someone who you know relishes games, I want my variety. I want new things. I want different things. And so for that comment of oh it's it's casual gamers. No, you're wrong. No, it's. It's people. If, if who anything, don't it's want the casual. In their house. If it's anything, it's the casual gamers who drove those sales. Right. 
because like they're like, I don't know what a 360 is and like this is expensive, but if I'm going to play this funny toy game, like, yeah. Otherwise, they don't know what else, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Our friend Ivy doesn't play much video games, but she has a 360 solely for Guitar Hero, Rock Band, SingStar. That's all she has it for. So to, I'm sorry, I had to bring that up because that comment frustrated me to know. And I was like, you're wrong. Anyway. Um, what comment? I, oh, the comment about the, the casuals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I looked it up and Tony Hawk signed a 14 year contract, a 13 year contract after the first game. So so he has three more games to go. Oh, God. Um, sorry, Tony Hawk. But I think I think the question was specifically not specifically, but it, it came out after Bizarre Creations was threatened to be closed. I don't know if I don't know what the update is. I don't know if they're actually closed now, or if they're looking like if they're going to be closed in three months, or if that was just a rumor. But like uh, they, said that, they said that, they said that. Go ahead. Go ahead. That from what I read, they're going through consideration of closing the studio, but they have suitors. Okay. So people like if they do get shuttered, they'll get picked up. Gotcha. Um, and I also read that uh, Infinity Ward seems to be okay now. Okay, right. Activision's not going to let them go. They, they, they want to clamp down on them. But, like, I look at something like Blur, which I still haven't bought yet, but I'm highly interested in. And it's like, you know, people who want kart racing have bought into Mario Kart, regardless of what you think about the Wii Wheel, which I think very lowly of. Or they're, they're sim racing with, with, um, with, with Forza. They're waiting mm -hmm. for Gran Turismo. Um, oh, but wait, the people racing... who made Forza, who made Forza? Because they're 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 close too. Um, uh, something ten software. Uh, shit. Um, time to look it up. That's what the internet's for. Yeah, but apparently for the the people who made Forza, they're shuttered too. Um, and that maybe that might not have made too much money because Forza Two came out like what a year and a half before Forza Three. They made three Forza games in the span that it took. It, it it's been taking people to make Gran Turismo Five. <laughs> Yeah, and that, that, there you go. Like saturation, saturation. How many more of these things are gonna come out? Um, but so you look at that, and then it's like you look at the hardcore racing fans who will rather buy a a, a Colin McRae rally racing because of the name brand on it, mm -hmm. right? Um, so then, where is the room for Blur? Despite it being a good game, so I think I uh, turn ten studios. Mm, turn that, ten. What's up? Excuse me. And there's no article about it closing, so I want to see if they are closing, then I want to give hmm. them their rips. Yeah, because uh, I read something. Um, the Turn 10 Studios blog. Um, Turn 10 Studios, Wikipedia. But yeah, I mean, that's that. That's what I... It, it, there's no talk about it being shuttered, so I don't know if... Uh, I have to, I'll, I'll see if I can find the article on... Um... On Kotaka. I think it was Kotaka. Right on. They're still they're still blogging as of yesterday, so I don't know. Um, okay. I don't know. Hopefully they're not. I'll, I'll see if I can find what I was saying. But uh, another question that I guess got got raised from Twitter that I raised actually because I was seeing all this chatter going back and forth was the review event that Activision threw out for Call of Duty Blops. Blops. God blops. Um. And what what do you know about this review event, like, and and similar types? Like, I don't know if you can talk about this, but when you were at Activision, did they ever? Wow, Activision. When you were acclaimed, did they ever throw these things? Like, no, not that I know of. Uh, they probably have since but, then. Well, I'm saying they they may have before, but I they never really were a well. 
I can't really say that. They probably did have the money. They just didn't give it to us. Uh, <laughs> but fuck them. Um, I've never seen it. I've seen so, them throw parties. But I've never seen them. Right. Uh, Turok party. Name your child Turok. Oh, well, not a party. But, yeah. Um, so the review event for those listening out there who don't know about it. Um, and these happen quite. They're not. They're not uncommon. Halo. They've done this for Halo. They fly out um, the bigger media outlets to a hotel. They set up a hotel room for them, an Xbox or a PlayStation 3 or whatever, and a TV. Um, and you basically go in there and you play it. I believe they might have done this for Twilight Princess as well. I could be wrong. But that's what you do. You go, you're a member of the media. You get flown over to a hotel. They give you food and drink. They basically, you are basically their, their willing prisoner, so to speak to play a video game to review it. Um, and the, there was an Ars Technica article that talks about how GamePro fully disclosed what the event was. They flew them over there to a, to a Santa Barbara resort in a helicopter. They gave them all the food and drink that they wanted. Um, they got to use the resort, and then they played the game in the room. Now, obviously, you're going to get people who are like, that, that's fucked up. These reviewers are on the take. Um, but there, there, there are two sides of the story, I, 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 and it's really kind of difficult for me. I feel like, and, and this is not me speaking as a freelancer. This is me speaking as a dude who plays games and cares about both the industry and the journalism industry with games. Um, I would normally be one of those on the comments going, this is bad, Blah. but I think people overreact, overreact way too much. Um, there's a reason for why this is bad, but I don't think they're necessarily... T- looking at both sides of it, like I, I think that there's a, I, I don't like it. I really don't like it. But I understand some, like why a journal, a, a game critic would, would take up on this offer. Um, but before I even get to that, do, do you have any thoughts, or should I just launch into my tirade of soapboxing? And um, I think that you should launch. Okay, so let's take a time. Okay, yeah, so, um. There, there, there's so many sides to this story. First of all, um, I don't think that review that the reviewers that I care about are on the take. Otherwise, I wouldn't care about them. Like we're talking about people from bigger magazines who don't really focus on games. Uh, I'm not saying this is the case, but if anybody would be paid off, it would be Maxim, Stuff, Rolling Stone, those types of magazines that don't focus on games, but and, and don't really know about them. But they're like, what's the What's the hot shit? What's going down in the streets today? Doing your taxes, Mad World, Call of Duty, what? Call, hey, I'm Activision. I'm a big company. Here, here's an ad. Here, write a good review. Okay. You know, those guys are on the take. Jeff Gersman's not on the take. He's especially not on the take. Not after what happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Garnet Lee is not on the take. Um, I'm, try- I'm trying to think of other people. Fucking... Uh, 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 Justin Calvert, the, the guys I work for at GameSpot, write for, or at GameSpot, are, they're, not, they're not on the take. I know that for sure. They consistently refuse certain preview events or, or early access to review code because they're like, we don't do that. Um, the, the writers I care about, period, are not on the take. First of all, find the right writer. Second of all, you know, the ones that you, you know, that, that really care about this injury, industry won't be on the take. Um, mm-hmm. You can kind of see how that could happen because like, oh, I'm flying you out. Yeah. Come to this review <laughs> Um, the other thing is, is that it's a Call of Duty game. It's not to say that all the Call of Duty is great, but 
despite my misgivings about Activision, like, and, and my preference away from Call of Duty, I recognize what makes those games great. And those are pretty good games. It's not like they're going to fly out, you know, someone to a Call of Duty game and it's going to suck. But because they flew them out to a hotel, all of a sudden it's four out of five stars, five out of five stars. It's, it's a good game from what I can tell, yeah. from what all I know about Call of Duty and my past experience and what they're doing now. It seems like a good game, uh, you know, for those who like it. So it's not it's not as if they're t- they're flying you out to play like the, the latest Harry Potter game that apparently got like 3.0 scores, you know. <laughs> So it's it, so for someone to say, oh look, Call of Duty Black Ops got a four out of five stars. Jeff Gersman's on the take because he went to the hotel room. Fuck you! Like no. Um, at the same time, though, you like the you you get um you get people who don't understand why people have an issue with it. It's an issue because like I, I've you know, and I guess because of my situation, it's like when you review games, you review part of part of reviewership. Part of the reviewership does that as a critique. All right, games as an art form, critiquing the game, what works, what doesn't, what, you know, any messages that the games are trying to send, blah, blah, blah. The other half, do it from a consumer standpoint. Dude, should you buy this game? I think you should. I think you shouldn't. You might want to rent it. Their service is to the consumers. What do the consumers do? They play in their house. They might not have the biggest TV. They might not have the best internet connection. They might not have the best computer hardware, whatever. So if you shutter a reviewer in a controlled environment where you as a publisher get to dictate what happens that that's a good thing of we get to test the multiplayer out we get to test the game out as it's intended to be tested we are not bug reporters we do not we're not testers we are reviewers we play the game at the same time that completely misrepresents what you get in the house so many people who had a problem with half-life 2 getting to download on steam patches flying left and right audio dropping, video stuttering. Are you kidding me? Like, like you may not be a bug hunter, but if you were playing that like on your review machine, you would have mm. found those issues and been like, you know what, this game, the game content's great, but it doesn't work. Like, I'll, uh, and, I, and I know that the, the concept of you're not a, you're not a bug writer. Like I'm, if I'm reviewing a game, I'm not going to look for bugs, but if a bug happens, it is my duty to report it as like, this game has game ending bugs. I have to talk about it in my review because how can you play a game with a game ending bug? If you're in a controlled environment, yeah. right, exactly. If you're in a controlled environment, then like the reviewer is not going to see that. And so for, you know, while I don't think that reviewers on the take, and I think that people who shout at them for that reason need to calm down, they certainly have a point with you guys are not getting the same experience as we are. And that's totally misrepresentative of what I'm going to see in my house when I put that disc in my Xbox. Um, and so that's why. We, sh- you know, pe- consumers should care. They should be allowed to to vent a little bit, you know. Um, I, I I also listened to the Weekend Confirm podcast, uh, which is a Shack News podcast. Garnett Lee went from one up to to Shack News, um, and and I guess I, I extracted a few lines. I might talk about this more next week because apparently there's another podcast that really took a, you know, an fu enti- self entitled attitude to this and like you know fu consumers like, you know, it's not even that fun. Blah 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 blah. Mm. And, we get that, but that's not really the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Garnett was being like, w- w- one of his points was, our reviews are, if reviews are really being bought, someone should do investigative journalism on this story. Otherwise, stop getting so preachy about to, about who gets to go to these things and who doesn't. Like, and he he actually said it's not even all that fun for us. Like, it's a pain in the neck to be taken away from the people you love to be, to go. And like, it's funny because you're getting flown to a resort, dude. Right? Yeah. <laughs> 
but you know, I can understand from his standpoint where he's coming from because it's like, you know, he doesn't he, like you're playing a, re- a game for review in an office, right? And you play it, you maybe you shoot some, sp- you spitball some ideas over the over the cubicle wall, and be like, hey, dude, I, I'm stuck here, or like, what do you think about this? I'm getting like you know bad vibes from this or whatever, and like it's just a working environment that you're taken away from. And as someone who travels. This is a perspective that I'm sure that no, not too many people have, and they're probably like, "All right, we don't feel sorry for you." Well, you know what? Listen up, okay? As someone who's travels for work, like people might think, "Oh, you get to go to a hotel, you get to be cleaned up after, you get to use the resort facilities, whatever." That is all great, but I'm away from my family and friends five out of seven days of the week. I don't get out. I haven't seen you. I don't see you in person, perhaps every uh, except every two months. Yeah, you know, I don't. Definitely I don't go by. I have a, a huge change in lifestyle, and why don't I change it? Well, yes, the perks are worth it, but like there's a there's a given and there's a take. So when people automatically think that people go to resorts and it's all fun, and like no, you shouldn't feel sorry for them, but don't act like they're getting all the superb superb treatment. And I'm sure I'm getting it flamed for this. Maybe someone will unsubscribe for me, but he, just hear me now. It is not like you should try it for yourself. You should try playing a game in an isolated environment for hours and hours on end. People are like, I I have some friends who are like, oh, it must be great to be a game reviewer. And I used to think the same thing. Oh, why would anybody ever complain about reviewing games for a living? People would tell you, oh, you get to test games. Why do you complain? Well, it's all relative. I realize it's all relative. We don't have hard jobs like a construction worker does, but it, it comes with its own challenges and everything's relative. We're not saying that it's the worst thing in the world, but there's some negative aspects to it. Don't think that just because you don't do it and you see it from the outside lens, that it's some rosy thing. Everything has their challenges. And so when Garnet Lee says it's not even all that fun, no, I'm not going to feel sorry for him at all, but I get where he's coming from. I totally get where he's coming from. Like going into it, like I had heard that they, they had the, this like F you attitude and I was just like, huh, like, I have beef with that. And then I heard what they said and I was like, you know, it's not that bad. That's why I want to hear the other podcast because I heard they like that. I started, I heard a snippet of it before we started recording mm-hmm. and I was like, this is going to get bad. Like I could see where it was going. Um, and then one of the other podcast members, Brian Leahy on, on we can confirm said, if you care about the stuff provided to the reviewer during a review event, then you care more about that aspects of games journalism than about the review itself. And therefore it shouldn't matter at that point. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. People, like I said, people should care about that aspect because of how it affects what how you see a game. Yeah. And the bottom line is what whether you're on the take or not, it's going to influence how you perceive a game, consciously or subconsciously. And the only benefit that I see that I totally understand is again, like a reviewer has to be able to at least test out the multiplayer to see if the design elements of it work outside of the technical elements. So that's the only way you're going to get to do that. I can't tell you how many times it's been frustrating for me to try to get multiplayer reviews to work on my DS. I have to go to the McDonald's to get their Wi-Fi because, oh, because the Wi-Fi in my house didn't always pick up. And when it did, it didn't always connect to people, right? So it's like, like I could appreciate that kind of controlled environment, but at that same time, it's like, all right, well, here's what I experienced that I would do both. Here's what I experienced at home. Here's what I experienced in control environment. The game design is great because of xyz i couldn't write that if i couldn't experience it right however mm-hmm. it'll take you time to get to that experience because when i was at home this is what happened that would be the perfect medium you do both um i think my soapbox is breaking now so what's your opinion of this of this whole event thing i find it kind of weird that companies would do this uh you know spend all this money to get reviewers to come out i mean i, I understand the 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 worth in it, the the idea that okay, 
if we do this and you know they get to see our game and then they get these amenities you know they may be more enticed or they they may leave with a more of a positive review of the game in their head not because of the game's merits but because of the entire experience outside and inside of the games itself but i I just find it weird that people kind of go on this whole and and it's a I was reading, I think the the article that you sent me. It was something about do something good for us. Uh, scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. Yeah, scratch our back, scratch yours. But then at the same time, I was watching this documentary, a Metallica documentary, some kind of monster, and it was a scene where uh, Metallica had refused to do something for another company because of whatever reason. But then right after that, they made this comment that was like, well don't look for us to do anything for you or something that like they should have done just out of the fact that they're human beings. And they were like, Oh, well, we're not going to do that for you now. And James was all like, Oh, what is this? Like you, you're not going to do something for me because I, I can't do something for you. Uh, is this a situation like, Oh, uh, I got to wash your back so you don't stab mine. And that's why they came with a line for one of their songs. So I kind of feel like this is a wash it back so you don't stab mine kind of right. idea. Uh, and Jeff Gershman still didn't give it a five stars. So Right. <laughs> and, you know, Activision is like, okay, well, we're going to get these guys and we're going to give them this wonderful experience and give them these little gifts and things like that. And then we're going to expect them to give good reviews so that people will buy our game. It's it's why those people at the Microsoft press conference who got TVs, mm-hmm. or, the, or the ones eth- who got the uh, the, the, the new Xbox, ethically yeah. ethically chose to not take them. Those who did take them breached what I think is objective journalism and critiquing ethics. You know, yeah, it's a it's a conflict of interest. And it was funny is that I had a conflict of interest workshop at my job, and it was something along the lines of, oh, you can't accept the gift more than a hundred dollars from someone else because uh, that's a conflict of interest. Right. And um, I don't know. I mean, that's for my company. I don't know if it's a universal thing. I'm pretty sure it's not. But right. I can understand accepting a 360 from Microsoft and it's your job to critique games that come from this provider. It's a conflict of interest because, oh, well, you know, I guess I should give this game a good review because they gave me a 360. Right. Now, you know, the funny thing is that parlays into another point that I completely forgot to talk about, but that parlays into, well, then why would you accept a, a review event in a hotel stay? You know what? The consumers, and, and this is, you know, I, I, it sounds like I'm taking their side. Uh, I'm not really, I'm just stating the realities of it. Like, like I said, mm-hmm. I have, I, I understand both sides of the fence. Gamers on, on blogs and, 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 and forums and whatever complain, when are you going to get the review out? Why is the review so late? Why is the review so late? I went to this site. They had the review already. Why can't you have the review? I, I'm waiting for this review. Blah, 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 blah. Da, 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 da. Well, you know what? Sometimes the only way for them to get to that review is to get the early, is to, well, the early is, review. Right. Is to be shuttered over to that resort, magical resort island and have the early access to the review copy because they're not releasing copies to the press. Right. So if they do that, either as a consumer and a gamer, you say, all right, thank you for it. That's why GamePro fully disclosed. It was like, look, we went on this resort. This is exactly what happened. And I think that even though it doesn't necessarily change their spin on the game, however, indirectly or subconsciously they might have been affected, at least the reader knows going in, by the way, 
what I'm reading is a review from a resort. So I should take a little bit of grain of salt if I choose to. Right. right now, hopefully, you know, John Davison is a stand-up guy. He's a guy who ran one up for a while, PlayStation magazine. Now he's at GamePro and totally revamped the way they do their things. He's a stand-up guy. So I, I, I hope that his staff follows in his footsteps and didn't, you know, and tried their best not to be tainted by this process. But there's always subconscious elements there. So, you know, you get that. But so either as a gamer, you say, fine, go to the event, fully disclose it so I can make my own mind up whole matrix thing make up your own damn mind right mm-hmm. or you know what get the review late i would rather have stand up and in, stand up stand up critiquing and integrity in your review and i don't mind if it's a few days late pick one because all you're complaining they write for you and if you're demanding xyz they're going to do what they can to get xyz to you so if you demand for them to not go to these events don't expect them to get a review on time and frankly, I hope I, I wish that these, you know, these outlets would say to the readers would actually say to the readers, you know what, guys, you're going to have to put up with a late review if you want. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? We're going to make a policy to not do this stuff. Like I said, you know, Justin Calvert frequently declines like special previews or special things or like like they were they were asked if they wanted to go review Metal Gear Solid in Japan. And they said no. They said, we'll get our review up late because we don't take, and this is not, you know, company yes manning. Like I said, I'm just a fucking freelancer. I don't, I don't even write for them that often. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's like they took that sentence and said, you know, you guys are going to get your reviews late. Here's why. So, you know, either or, um, I, I don't, I don't think these things should exist. I understand why they exist, but what I think they should do is, you know, organize a, con- not a controlled, but organize a, a scheduled session for, outlets to get online and multiplay against each other and then let them take the single player as they see fit. You know, I don't like this idea of the review event. I understand why it's out there, but I wish it would change. Um, but I, I also think that people overreact just a touch about it, saying that people are being bought. Leave that to Maxim, you know, leave that mm-hmm. to titties, titty, titty, titties to Maxim. <laughs> um, but I, I jumped in yet again. I apologize. What were your thoughts? What were your final thoughts on that? Um, well, I guess my final thoughts on that, it's probably best for an organization to take advantage of something like that. It's just that it sucks that it's so lavish. And, you know, whatever happened to bringing people to a warehouse where you just have, like, a whole bunch of shit set up? Like, right. that's a cool thing to do. You have, a, a, like, a big-ass warehouse. It's the same thing, just a, a less lavish. You have multiplayer stations that are all local, which basically negates the the ability to determine whether it works on Xbox Live or not. Right. Well, completely. And then there's a single player stations and you just have people, maybe you can hold people up in hotels, but you're going to drive them to the warehouse. I mean, you can still give it that kind of gritty, like army-ish kind of feel if you want to try and do a, a theme to it. Cause just because you want people to be immersed in the, the environment. Okay, right. you make it look like it's you, you're going to an army base, some rundown warehouse, and it you dress it up to look like it's a barracks. And you have these stations set up, and you have all these people playing and things like that. I think that that's a good idea to get people to, because you're not going to give out code. You, you want to invite only like the best of the best and the people who are really going to drive traffic to uh, not drive traffic, but, but get people to read a review and go, I want to buy this game. And then that results in money for 
Activision because they're buying the game and it results in money or whatever for the reviewers and the journalists because they're getting site hits right. and site hits are important for the reviewers. And gamers are happy because, well, if 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 there's disclosure, which disclosure is perfectly fine too, because that helps level things down. If people didn't know about this and people were actually writing reviews based on the fact that they were going out on this lavish excursion, um, yeah, then the, 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 everybody's kind of getting over on the consumer. Like, oh yeah, this game is wonderful. This game is great. But in fact, maybe the game is not all that great. And people right. buying the game and they're like, oh, this game is kind of shitty. Why did they say it was so great? And then that breaks the trust. So when you level with somebody, oh yeah, we went to this place and we did that and they did all the stuff for us, but uh, I guarantee you that my review does not it's – it's completely objective. It's not subjective based on the fact that they treated us well. Then that leaves me – it puts me in a position to go, okay, he was up front with me or she was up front with me. I can believe the fact that this review is now going to be objective. <clears throat> right. It's funny that the Giant Bomb review of Rock Band 2 said in big, bold letters on the bottom, hey, by the way, we're pretty good friends with one of the guys who made this game, so make up your own mind with that. We mm-hmm. believe that this is an objective review, but we understand that this that that you know you're you're, you're I you guess, may think that our relationship right. with this guy could have influence. Right. So here you go. We're being like we're being upfront with that. So yeah. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. Here's a, a comment from because remember I told you I started listening to the Talk Radar podcast that was referenced, um, and there was one line from there that I was able to get, and it was like Game for, uh, Game Informer did this whole write up about like. They didn't take Activision's trip. They paid for their own way to go to Treyarch's headquarters. They stayed in really small hotel rooms. And like, I think the talk radar, guy, talk radar guys were being a little snarky about like, well, like, of course they're going to get access to it no matter what they do. They're like the biggest magazine in the industry. Okay, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, like, they didn't have to take that effort, you know. On the other hand, that's still like, they're still going to Treyarch, right? So they're still not getting outside of a controlled environment. And I think, again, that is my biggest problem with it is that it's a controlled environment, um, even by going to Treyarch or Activision, so or, or going to Santa Barbara or some massage parlor or whatever, right? It's a controlled environment that's the biggest problem for me. And unless until you review a game in your office or at your house, you're within the confines of what they want you to do. The whole, like, Half-Life 2 is, I think, the biggest example that everyone was screaming about. And for some reason, I didn't get that because... Either I got either it's because I got the disc based game or because I didn't try to get it on launch day because I wasn't home. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, don't know. I I didn't even get Half Life two until I bought Armor's Box like ten bucks. So you know how long that was. Oh shit! <laughs> and everything had been passed up by that point. You know. So, mm-hmm. um, wow, uh, this is an epic, 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 epic episode. Yeah, the epic of epic epicness. Um, we're not going to get to the PSP two. Um, All that's I was going to say is it needs dual analog, and apparently it does. I'm cool with that. I still want to do UMD. That's just me. Yeah, that would that would probably help a lot too. I was thinking solid state storage, but no one's gonna make a PSP game on a, a gigabit, <laughs> 128 right. megabyte game. I don't think so. not happening. Right. Oh, Adam. Adam on Game Informer has, in fact, has this huge blog on the entire like review event. 
Um, he says, Game Informer refused a fancy resort, negotiating a visit to Treyarch's offices instead. It should be noted that Activision understood our situation and helped us, helped us set up a review that met both of our terms. So I flew out to Santa Monica, California, and played the hell out of Black Ops in a focused testing room next to Treyarch's QA department. I did... Okay, I did play it on a big-ass flat-screen TV with a nice 5.1 surround, just the way I would play it at home or in the office. G Game Informer paid for the entire trip. I stayed at a moderately-priced hotel and spent the whole day twiddling my thumbs in airports on the way back because the only reasonably-priced flight involved a several-hour layover in Phoenix. That kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't say this yeah. to complain. Travel is what it is, and it's not like I was staying at a vagrant hostel or anything. I merely bring this up to point out that I ex wasn't exactly living it up for the trip. Game Informer is not a fan of these events. Disbelieve us if you want, but I can speak for everyone from our editor-in-chief, Annie McNamara, on down. They're a pain in the rear and make it harder for us to do our jobs. We just want to see and play the games. Maybe meet with and interview the team. All the, un all the other stuff is unnecessary to the reporting process. It, it is, technically. So, so I, I guess they're still in a controlled environment, but, I mean, if he's just playing it in some QA room, it's a little bit less of a, you know... I, but you you never know. You don't know what they're what they're doing behind the scenes. And th this is, of course, the skeptic in me. It doesn't mean that it's true. So mm -hmm. anyway, oh look at the time. I'm hungry. Where do you live? Uh, excellent2k.blogspot.com. I'll update it. Yeah, everybody, go comment, say woo, give the woo. horns. Pete lives at GS. No, not GS. I'm sorry. Not, we're not we're not talking about Flickr. He lives at Riven.com. Facebook.com slash Riven. Twitter.com slash Riven. R, that is spelled R-Y-V-V-N as in Nancy Riven. Hi, Pete. Pete wasn't on the podcast today because he's off drinking and being uh, uh, a party animal or something. I don't know. Oh, and shoot. Dr. Fishy Pants. To go to www.drfishypants.com. He will save your life and also recommend him how... To spend his 1800 Nintendo Space Bucks. Go to gamingthemedia.com, podcast about the gaming media, not gaming. Well, they talk about gaming, but you know. they, actually, it's funny. They had a whole Metroid episode and they talked about iPhone gaming, the same episode that we talked about Metroid Other M and mobile games. Hmm, um, interesting. Um, you can follow them on Twitter, docbrown underscore GTM and will underscore GTM on Twitter. Uh, go to Everyone Loves Dinosaurs. My God, I should just pre-record all this shit. Uh, yeah. EveryoneLovesDinosaurs.com. Say hello to Mo. Um, and go to TryGames.net. That is our website. Uh, I, I, I'm going to review Crisis and Conduit soon, as soon as I can get some multiplayer time in with this gentleman on the other line with me. Soon. And I will review Mad World pretty soon as well. Um SharkVersusOctopus.com, TalkinMouth.blogspot.com, Talkin' with no G, Mouth with an F. Uh, and once again, XLM2K.blogspot.com. <laughs> oh, and AustinDLight.com. Jesus Christ. <sighs> you ready? Yeah. For Al. He's out after three wonderful epic hours. For Pete. He's not Pete? here. Bye. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm your host Austin and we out. I'm so hungry. I'm kind of sleepy. That fucker's looking a little bushed. Speaking of bush, do you prefer a mop for a landing strip? On me? Or the hooker? <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>